Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Resident Evil podcast. And that's where Resident Evil is at the minute, is it is so happy to retread steps we've done before because it gives people those classic characters. Maybe we should be celebrating the fact that it has as much connections as it does and yeah. that, you know, it doesn't change anything negatively. We need a Resident Evil anime. Yeah. That would be yeah, like yeah. every week or whatever, just put it out there. I would watch that. Fans would lap up that kind of storyline. A big siege on Umbrella's last base or whatever. Chicago branch or something. Yeah. I think we all need a lay down after that one. Brilliant. Not to sound creepy, but am I in the kids' bedroom? The Resident Evil Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Resident Evil podcast, where if it's not in your blood, then you're not on the team. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He's not about to just hand over his life work. It's the Batman. Good evening. Mass production. Ridiculous. It's Stars Tyrant. <laughs> I wasn't queued up for that, Nick. We, we, we didn't even rehearse that. How good is that? <laughs> Someone keeps trying to blow him up on Main Street. It's Rombi. Yeah, Leal. And finally, his hidden Antarctica mansion may have stood the test of time, but his sanity did not. It's George Trevor. Hi. Good evening. Coming up on today's podcast, it's been 20 glorious years since Resident Evil Outbreak first came out on the PlayStation 2. And we at REP are doing what we do best and going through the game in our happy birthday anniversary podcast. But as we teased in the last uh, podcast, we're doing it a little bit differently. Rather than going through all the five scenarios in one go, we're going to break it down into the individual scenarios. So today we're going to be covering um, Outbreak itself, the the scenario, and Hellfire. So uh, reliving our experiences and adding in that little bit of lore as well. Because even today, 20 years on, the, the lore of Outbreak still generates chat up and down the country, so we're going to be trying to tell you where these things arrive and you know what little uh, Easter eggs you can find in the, in, in the environmental storytelling. So that's lots to look forward to. We have a tiny bit of news, um, and we will be ending with another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So let's start with the news. Uh, not huge amounts of news since our last podcast, but what has been catching the uh, the Twitterverse or X as it's now known was the uh, the modding DRM issue that Capcom have arisen with uh, Resident Evil Revelations. It, it, at the point of recording, it's still not entirely resolved. Uh, based on uh, there's lots of back and forths, I think, as to exactly what's been going on. Romby, you've certainly got a handle on this. Did you want to try and explain as we see it at this point in time? I'll try and do my best. Um, so Capcom has historically used some sort of copy protection of varying types, various companies into most of its PC products and some of its um, other formats as well. But um, in this case, they've decided that Revelations needs copy protection after 14 years um, of a different type and updated a patch with this in, involved. And in doing so, it has broken the game. People have 
resolved various problems like frame rate issues, stability issues, loading issues, um, and people who've made mods can't get them running. Uh, after the response, the, there was review bombing of the game on various platforms that were predominantly Steam, and that has required Capcom to roll it back to the previous update. But they seem to be implying that they're still going to press on with um, reintroducing this protection at some date. They have done it to other games, mostly collections um, like the Mega Man one. So it's pretty likely it'll come back. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of companies remove theirs after a while. And Capcom has historically had this issue with a few other games where they've had to remove it due to problems. Um, even the remakes and and other titles have had um, improvements when they're not having to have these checks going on in the background. So it's a it's a it's a, a weird practice to put a, a new version back in, especially with a game that's as old as Revelations is. And I say it's caused a little bit of an upset with the modding community, which Capcom historically have turned a little bit of a blind eye towards. That's that's kind of true. I think they're. They've never really bothered with any of the mods, generally because most of the games, it doesn't have an online kind of impact. And they seem to be one of the companies that's quite happy to that the, the marketing and promotion of like community mods seems to get people buying games. So um, they're not particularly too strong on it, which is probably why there's such a reaction, just simply because the company is not normally the type of company that lets stuff get in the way. And so unfortunately, it's, I want to say it's perhaps a bit of an overreaction in that regard, not not because I don't sympathise with people, but because you know I don't think Capcom went out of their way to try and impact um, general users this way. They're more worried, obviously, about people stealing their material. But yeah, it just depends on how you um, how you uh, how you view that, basically. Um, and and obviously, if you're a person who uses their PC games a lot, and mods it a lot, you're probably going to get upset quite quickly over that when you can't even use it anymore. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and see if anything uh, develops. Uh, final bit of news. It's not just Outbreak Anniversary, which is um, that we're celebrating. Five years, ladies and gentlemen, since Resident Evil 2 Remake came out. Can you believe that? Uh, they do it. We do it. Everyone's done it. Remake 2. I can't believe it's been that amount of time that's passed already, but there we go. Um, and to celebrate, Capcom have put Resident Evil 2 Remake on Game Pass. So if you have not played it, I would strongly recommend you do. And if you have Game Pass... Knock yourself out. It's also being added to the PlayStation Plus Deluxe oh, yes. version as well uh, later in the month, Nick, on both I platforms. Fa- on both platforms, yeah. I, I, I can't keep up with PlayStation's tiered levels. I have no idea what does what nowadays. They keep changing it every five minutes. But yes, it's, it's amazing, really. I mean, you know, quick chat on it, I suppose. Five mi- five years has passed. I don't, as I said, I don't quite know where the time has gone, but we, we kind of talked about it in our Remake Reflections kind of podcast as well. The, the impact Remake 2 has had has been quite profound really you know it's had a bit of a legacy in terms of other remakes coming out and we're seeing silent hill 2 and alone in the darks coming back isn't it and we've had dead space alan wake has done alan wake 2 has done it and that's not remake per se but you know it, it, it rejuvenated it so um I, i'm pleased it still gets the plaudits oh, that's truly frightening when you actually go back to the 90s you know in the well it was about well yeah just less than just less than four years We'd had RE1, 2, 3, and Code Veronica all released in Japan. And we're already five years since Remake 2 had come out. You just think of time as a sort of relative thing like that. It's it's just crazy. Because that, that period of time, I know we were all younger back then, you know, some of us were teenage years. Um, but, like, the, the length of time between, like, RE1, 96, and Code Veronica felt massive. Yeah. You know, it felt like a chunk of your lifetime. 
and we've just had that and more in the blink of an eye since Remake 2 has come out. Yeah, that is all the news for now. No site news at the moment, so we're going to turn our attention um, to our anniversary celebrations of Resident Evil Outbreak, where we're going to be looking at Outbreak and Hellfire. There was a disruption earlier at today's football match between the Raccoon Sharks and the Old Court Thunders. Apparently the game was interrupted when an unruly fan got out of control and sparked a riot. The number of injured is not yet known, but more than 50 local one and all george trevor i think you're the best person to start with this resident evil outbreak i mean your fate your one of your kind of like slogans on rep has always been missed opportunity um i think you've said it quite frequently throughout our reviews over the years resident evil outbreak is probably one of the biggest missed opportunities at least when the game came out it's stuck on the playstation 2 with inactive servers and Europe got absolutely squandered with a dud version of Outbreak File 1 that couldn't even go online. It's 20 years since that's come out, and, you know, to, I'll, be, I'll be honest, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it doesn't really get a lot of play in, uh, in the Neptune household, I'm afraid, because I find the European version somewhat unplayable because of the lack of offline mode. But thankfully, thankfully... For this podcast, we've all kind of gone back and we've had a little play around and different versions have been played. And thankfully, Sean uh, Sarsaran, of course, is a big advocate of the online mode, which has been dutifully kept alive by the fan community. So if one is inclined, you can st- you can play this game as intended, emulated on PC. Wow, um, at... you can actually do it on a PS2 as well. Can you? Yeah, like the first time I ever played Outbreak online was the fan servers on the on a PS2. Oh. You, you just have to download specific files and you have to put yeah, in certain information into the network disk if you've still got one lying around. But it it, it's, it does work. Interesting. So, I, 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 authentic authentic experience the very first time through. I mean, obviously, it's it's far easier <laughs> on a PC because you can actually download setups and everything like that, so you sure. don't have punching all the server details and things so it's certainly happy birthday resident evil outbreak um it came out in december 2003 in japan and then it got sporadic releases up until europe um in in 2024 so uh, so 2004 so we are celebrating the entire year there's an outbreak year here at resident evil podcast and we're going to be doing two different scenarios each podcast there's going to be a number of these throughout the year so by the end you might be bored of the number of outbreak themed podcasts, but this will be interesting. We hope because we're going to go as so we're going to go through 
the chapters, what we did, what we didn't do, who we played as, particular experiences, and we're going to be, uh, you know, benefited by Sean's input, certainly, of if there's any differences online and things like that, but also the kind of environmental storytelling and the lore as well, and thankfully we've got some experts on hand. Uh, to start us off then, let's have a brief overview of the of, of Outbreak, specifically Outbreak the scenario itself, but perhaps if you're, you know, we could take this opportunity as kind of episode one of our outbreak anniversary to reflect on uh, everyone's experiences when the, when when the game first came out. Batman, did you want to, did you want to start off first? I remember at the time when Outbreak came out, I was I had a casual interest in it. I wasn't rushing to jump out and get it first thing like I am with most numbered titles because obviously at the time we were all desperate for a proper sequel to uh, Code Veronica. But I still got it and I enjoyed it for what it was. It was nice to see an expanded Raccoon City and a Raccoon City that felt very authentic to the original Resident Evil 2 and 3. You know, it was nice to visit locations from those games with new areas quite respectfully bolted on, you know, such as the underground lab and the hospital. Obviously, we couldn't play it online over here. Um, the loading times were atrocious and the 3D graphics looked nice, but it, 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 the controls... it. it for some reason, even though it's the standard tank controls, I found the I found them very very awkward. Um, whether that was just me, I don't know. But I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, disappointed I never got it to play it online. But yeah, it was it was definitely a fun title and a failed experiment. I think I think just a few years ahead of its time. George Trevor missed opportunity. I was very anti PlayStation at the time. I was an had my head up Nintendo's backside at the time. I was a big advocate of the Nintendo 64 and the GameCube against the PS1 and 2. But when it came out, just as such a fan of, of this style of gameplay, you know, the traditional sort of classic version. Um, and for my collection, I went out and got it and bought a PlayStation 2 just for this. And actually in Dead Aim as well. So I would have played it round about at the time, but offline. And like Batman, maybe even more so, I mean... <laughs> I someone I was completely used and very comfortable with the tank controls for the previous games, the, the mainline titles one, two, and three. But for some reason, I really, really struggled to the point where it kind of became an on-running joke over the years. I literally couldn't get out of Jack's bar. I just constantly doing three sixties, and and I made it to the stairs in between the first and the second floor, and maybe to the second floor. But I just found the controls just so almost game-breaking. But I think it was the main problem I was having. Again, it was the first PlayStation game I played. I really didn't warm to the uh, DualShock controller. I feel like I've got this entire wealth of classic Resident Evil ahead of me. I cannot wait to get through the rest of these scenarios and, and Outbreak File 2, because this is exactly how I envisioned uh, Survival Horror and the Resident Evil series to be. And I know we'll come onto it later, but I can't wait to come across some of the classic locations. Uh, great atmosphere. I think it looks great. Some of the mechanics... Uh, fantastic. Thoroughly enjoying. Even being offline, I know we'll, we'll come to kind of how uh, restrictive that is. Thank Enjoyable you very much. so far. Yes, sir. I mean, I, I remember I followed this very attentively during, during like magazines, the good old magazine era, and there was little pictures and screenshots of network biohazard, as it was called, and there was trailers on. Um, I, I strongly remember a um, PlayStation World magazine that had the that had the opening cinematic on it as well, which was just blew everyone's mind, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. And the trailer that that showed off four-player local co-op was supposed to be a thing. I was ambitious which, even then. It, and I, I mean, I was watching it with my mates, and we were like, the possibilities mm. that this opened, we were like, well, this is going to be incredible. And we envisaged a world where 
we could it, almost a bit like Grand Theft Auto, this massive open world where we'd all be communicating yeah. um, all locally. Yeah, a bit like an MMO, absolutely, and going, right, well, you know, we, I don't know what you said, we're, we're in the main park or whatnot, and we go, right, well, we need this key here, and then we all took dibs on going, well, I'll go to the church, you'll go, you know, and we just had, our minds exploded into possibilities as to what was going to happen, and we'll meet back here at six, you know, this this kind of thing, and, I, I, I you know, it was just, the as I said, the possibilities were enormous, and then as it came out, it all kind of got watered down. Partially my fault, obviously. We got all got excited. But then, yeah, even like the local co-op going was really upsetting. And then the game itself was slow, tedious, and quite... I don't say dull. And I, I, I do agree with both comments earlier that there is something about the tank controls in this game that are different to what they are in Code Veronica and RE3 and 2. I, I, I can't actually work out what it is because, as everyone has said, they are identical. They're, but... they're just sluggish and the turning circles are slower. Is that what it It, it feels yeah. sluggish. And yeah. I, I, I'm tempted to say it's down to our awful 50 hertz conversion. I don't know if that would have any... No, no it's no. always had like a really slow character turn. Like, like if, if you think back to the Spencer Mansion and the RPD and the, on the original PlayStation games, mm. like when you're running forward and you've got like a right-hand turn, like it, it's very intuitive to just sort of flick the direction to the right and you'll do like a 90 degree turn almost instantly and it's, it becomes intuitive to the point where you can run around the mansion nearly with your eyes closed mm. but without break you kind of have this really really strange turning circle where you can't quite make like a tight right hand turn you kind of slowly take a racing line around it and it it's just like a bit tricky to correct yourself and it's just a bit it's a bit slow and tired it's not as responsive as it as it should be and it also had analog support which i've been practicing and i found that even weirder but i don't know about you but sure how how, how have you what was your experiences back in the day with, well like you i was break? excited for all the wrong reasons because i think we you know like like you i had a, a mate of mine who was obsessed with the series back when we were at school and we in, you know, we took the Resident Evil online because obviously it was called that for a time. Mm. The 2003, was it 2002 TGS trailer? I think it is 2002 one. Still had a title of Resident Evil online and had loads of content that never made it to the final game. And, you know, like you said, we, we thought it was going to be like a big open world raccoon city. We were so naive at the time. Yeah. So naive. But like we were thinking oh, that you'd be able to log on at eight o'clock at night and you would start somewhere and your friend would start somewhere and you'd have to make, you know, make your way to each other across the city and then you'd team up with loads of your other friends and it would be like, you know, ten players all, you know, battling through it and obviously wasn't. And I don't think it ever was truly implied to be. It's just we just ran away with it through crazy speculation. So the game comes out. Um, I imported the American version because it came out far earlier than the. I was I was importing most of my titles back then because the the, the delays and things like that were, were massive. So I got it fairly early. My first experiences were I absolutely adored it. Oh. I loved it so so much to the point where like I'd read online the hard the hard disk drive was a game changer for the game. So I actually went online and bought Final Fantasy XI, which was one of the only bundles you could get with a hard drive, if not the only bundle at the time. In, in retrospect, I wonder if you could just put any hard drive in the PS2. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up now, um, whether I'd actually wasted some money getting, the, uh, getting a game I've still never played. 
It's not in my cupboard just because I just got it for the hard drive. And honestly, we all talk lyrical about how um, amazing the game is online, but it's also a game changer just with the hard drive. With with the loading times reduced next to next to nothing and the removal of all the pausing and the stutters, you know, like accessing your inventory, you know, comes with a, with a little pause usually. If you've got a hard drive, it's instant. It's just it's such a phenomenal way to play the game. I loved it. I played it endlessly. Honestly, I uh, 100%ed the game. Blimey. Um, including like all the scenarios on very hard, and I got the um, the hit the final unlock, which was I believe the five coloured stickman characters, which is like Mister Red, Blue, Green, and they were just literally a stickman, you know, like a little it was as it, as it is described, a little coloured stickman with a with a with a head, you know, like wow. a red head. I loved it. I must have played each scenario over a hundred times easy. I just I just played it endlessly. In that drought that we had between number titles, this ticked every box for me. Even though it was an on offline experience, because even though I got the North American version, I I had dial up internet at the time, so I, I couldn't play it online. But I you know, I just absorbed it. I just it, Outbreak is one of the things that encouraged me to actually write that, that timeline. Because one of the biggest discussion points we used to have on like the RE horror days was the order and structure of the scenarios. And I thought, if I could crack that, what a, what a great thing it would be to just like piece together the lore of the series into one cohesive timeline. And it was probably Outbreak that you know inspired and encouraged me to do that. I owe a lot to this game for my sort of um, persevered fandom, if you like, toward the series. Because I, I, you know, I'll be honest, I enjoyed playing Outbreak probably more, and I was still playing Outbreak even in the wake of RE4. Because to me, it felt like the perfect swan song to that classic style, and I still do. I still feel it. I'm still wowed and dazzled by like the mechanics of it even now, and I just like 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 John said, I just lament the fact that it was just years too early because it would have found an audience, and I still think it would find an audience today with a remaster, online remaster. Romby, what about you, my friend? How did you come about Outbreak? What was your early impressions of and experiences of it back at back in the day? Uh, well, this is a this is a narrative. Um, <laughs> I obviously was running the website at the time, and so I was covering all the details. And I remember the original announcement of Network Biohazard, which, as Sean alluded to, also got the title Resident Evil Online in its trailers relatively closely. And um, I was quite intrigued with the idea of it. But as has also been mentioned, it was a little bit early, I think, in its in its concept and hadn't quite been nailed, I think, the way that an online title would be just a few years later. And so I kind of had some trepidation about it. Um, the other issues I had was that there was no release of the network adapter here in New Zealand at first. And I got lucky. I saw a post from Sony online somewhere on a news site looking for people to beta test the network adapter here in New Zealand. So I got excited. I was like, oh, I can apply apply for that you had to have a certain level of network connection in the country and i had it so i applied and got uh, a free network adapter and uh the package with the, one of the online games i think in the states it was twisted metal black online here it was one of those war combat ones i can't remember what so i was like yay i'm all prepared for this when it comes out later this year and then about two months after i got the network adapter they uh, announced that the european version was not going to be online <laughs> and i was a little bit like oh wow Okay. I still went and bought the game on release, even with the offline, and I remember putting it in and going, cool, this looks good. Opening cutscene started, great, looks nice, and then got to the menu, started up the first scenario, and then was presented with some really not great voice acting and some very mixed controls. 
and a very sluggish pace and a just general low, long, slow feeling where the game counters you to kind of do things quickly because otherwise you'll have a virus counter ticking up but yet does everything in its means to make the game feel slow or be slow be it lack of inventory spaces or turning controls or door loading times and i remember walking away from it not finishing all the scenarios because i didn't enjoy it and it's a narrative that i've stuck with even when the sequel came out i bought it and started up and went yep same thing i'm probably not going to finish this and never did. And to this day, that is still the case. I still have not finished all the scenarios in Outbreak or Outbreak File 2 because I just find the whole thing exceptionally tedious and painful, and especially in an offline mode, never playing it online. So I don't know what else to say in that regard. That's where how it was for me historically anyway. And revisiting it, I have to admit straight up that my thoughts on this has not changed greatly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us for episode 93 of the Resident Evil <laughs> podcast. We'll, we'll uh, see you next time. Thank you. You know, I've, there's such, it's interesting listening to both, well, everyone, because there's such a thin line because what Rombie's just saying, particularly with regard to the irritation at, at the dullness and the frustration at, at, at the mechanics, I so almost like, a, like I do agree with that and I, I experience that but I don't almost I don't feel any of the negativity because everything that I want this, this series to be in terms of the basic mechanics and and it's I think a word that I just can't put enough emphasis into the atmosphere washes that away for me and kind of it's like a tidal wave over that so that I then get the experience that Stars is referring to of it very short-lived because I'm very inexperienced with the game so far but just that I know there's so much of this game ahead of me to enjoy but just on based on the outbreak scenario yeah. It, it, yeah it's got everything that i want from the series but i completely hear what, what rombie's saying because that's almost just that kind of is, that's underlying my experience but i don't feel mm. it if that makes sense i mean none of the criticisms that's been leveled at the game are invalid at all but yeah i, I wonder if just because i'd had the hard drive experience and things like that i you know I, I took it online as soon as the fan servers went up and, and that's sort of retroactively changed I mean, I loved it back in the day, but like it's only it's only increased my love for it's only increased as I've played it online in the last few years. Whereas I suppose if you haven't done that, it it remains in that same bubble. It maybe yeah. did in your opinion as it you know as it was when it came out. You know, it, the, the I, online goes a long way to fix a lot of like the issues that have been mentioned tonight. There's there's an underlying thing to me as well. I think that perhaps I also haven't added to it, which is that fundamentally, much like. And, and Jesse's just said this, There, I can see the things that are traditionally great about the game that I would love and do enjoy, and there's elements I do enjoy. I, I mean, I've come in saying, you know, I don't, I feel about the same, but there are definitely good things about it. But that thing is also frustrating because I can see a game that underneath it is even better than the game that was released, if that makes sense. Like fundamentally, yeah, totally, yeah. some of these things they put in thinking that like a perfect example that you know sean is that there's no the communication system is non-existent mm, like yeah. that's something that fundamentally in a modern title you would definitely change but should never have even passed in its day because it's a terrible concept like if other games on the ps2 network adapter had voice chat this doesn't why why did they mm. do that that doesn't make any sense i thought like, that, that's not they not a, a statement back in the day that they wanted to keep you immersed in, yeah, in, in and, the but, it, but the problem talking. the problem is the immersion that's 100 true but the immersion is tr isn't trumped by the fact that when you 
I could imagine also this would be the case of playing it online with people who don't know what they're doing. It would just yeah. get frustrating. Like, yeah. that's immersion breaking in of itself. What's the bigger immersion break of the fact you can chat to someone else or the fact that you're playing with people who are all collectively working towards the same goal? Yeah. I think the former is a bigger issue. Like, oh. that's, that's, a, that's a fundamental flaw for one, just one example. It is. Um, for for a I game think... that re- relies, certainly on harder difficulties, relies on four of you working in perfect cohesion to mm. not actually have a way to directly communicate and tell people what you're going to do. I mean, that's the, that's the, the thing, really. It's easy to say to someone, Cindy, this way, you know, you can do, like, basic commands, but to complete some of these scenarios, you have to go out and do, like, certain tasks sometimes on your own. Yeah, how do you tell another player, this is what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to this area and unlock the safe in Hellfire. You go that way and do the... the well, hang on a minute, why are you coming my way? No, don't come my way. Mm. Cindy, go! <laughs> <laughs> and then they're confused because they're like, why is he telling me to go? Yeah, what, like, where am I supposed to go? Supposed to go, yeah. or is he telling me to piss do? off? He doesn't. Want, I don't want him following. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, technical issues related to stuff like loading times and stuff. It's frustrating, but I understand it. But there are design issues. I think conceptually, the virus gorge gauge two was a. a, a, a I see again why you do it, but. You've given everyone a, a, a concept of forcing them to be kind of speedy when they're learning, and yet the game moves at such a snail's pace that it's contrary to its own design concept, which, again, like, I could understand it working where it worked, where if you got attacked or bitten, it should start or increase, but it's constantly just ticking away like a click ticking clock. And that's that. I remember a lot of people complaining about that when they were trying to learn the game. Yeah. It's very frustrating. It, it should never have been in the offline mode. I was about yeah, to say exactly that. The offline that. mode should be a, a mode where you can comfortably just go through at your own pace, reading files and things like that. Yeah. And, it, and it's frustrating because like Rob said earlier, you know, I have not completed Outbreak or Outbreak File 2. And the two scenarios I can't do, Decisions, Decisions and End mm. of the Road. Why? Because they're twice as long as the others. And even when I play as Yoko, who's got the slowest, I'm reliably told, um, virus cage, I just run out of time because it's, unless you know where to go, it can be quite tricky to navigate within that time scale. And I just wish you could turn it off so I could actually just actually have a really nice Resident Evil experience. And then that leads into the other issue, of course. I think with Decisions Decisions, the AI on offline mode has to be mm. very good. I think your game can almost break. We'll come to that, I'm sure, because uh, I think I'm, we're going to have to replay Decisions Decisions at some point, and we'll see how we get on with that. So yeah, the AI was poor on offline mode, and um, again, wouldn't have been great to have local co-op, you know, and then you could yeah. go through it together. Um, it would have been would have been a nice thing, but we yes. shouldn't lament. We shouldn't lament oh, too much. One, I was going to say one last thing. The thing about the local co-op that's frustrating is that I think once they realised they couldn't do the network thing for Europe, they should have just done that. They should yeah. have just invested a little bit of extra time going, hey, look, if one of the regions isn't going to have online, then a, then a local mode or a net, a, you know, an adapted multi-console tap network yeah. configuration Even should have been another option. Player. Yeah for two or up to four consoles like that. That seems like a thing that could have been done pretty 
I don't I don't want to say well we don't put words in the mouth and they could have done it easily, but considering there are other games that did allow that ability on the console, mm. it feels like something that they should have invested into in case people couldn't get network connectivity or for the European version that didn't have it. But I didn't want to start off this episode being the big negative blat at it because you know I know Sean's a big fan. I know there are, that other people here have enjoyed it, and there's plenty of fans of Outbreak out there. That's the thing I I I, I think. The fact that there's constantly a discussion about this game, that people get got excited about the idea of a uh, of a potential Lega sequel that sounded like at some point, but then Capcom changed it into these other titles that we've gotten, and particularly Resistance, is a testament to the game's popularity and the fact that there are fan servers, they have kept it alive, and uh, people do have a passion for this game, and I appreciate that. I'm not one of those people, and I'm fine with that. Not every title has to be for everyone, but for the fact that there are so many people out there that enjoy this game is uh, a testament to the things that are good about it shining stronger for them, much like Sean. And mm. uh, I can't say anything negative towards that at all. I think if you like this game, you've got good reasons for it, and you just obviously weren't as frustrated as I were with some of the flaws, and that's what it comes down to. Sean, did you want to get a bit of an overview of, before we get into Outbreak itself, just of the online experience for people that haven't played it and the the relative ease of being able to do it well, and what, what what your experience is in how to kind of navigate the the, the scenarios i mean I, th- I think in the past you've used discord so you do have that kind of full voice support and how different mm-hmm. that makes it makes it feel yeah. when you're playing it so if anybody has followed any of my streams or anything like that, or if they've looked on my YouTube page, you'll actually see some streams that I have done with uh, Sonny Bauer, JC Wesker. We called it the Heroes of Raccoon City series, and we'd always have like a guest player on because Outbreak Online is four players. To set up the fan server is, it's one of those things like if it, it looks intimidating at first, looking at this massive guide of things you've got to download and various things you've got to set up within the emulator and that but if you just follow it step by step it's actually not too bad the the fan server people have put in some great little mechanics so like you don't need to log in the game if you're logged in on the forum because the game the fan server detects that you're signed in on the forum through like your ip address so as soon as you fire up the game's like network mode it just does a quick check on the forums and if you're signed into the forum, it'll sign you in the game automatically. That skips a massive step of having to use the really awkward PS2 keyboard and things. Because the interface for the PS2 is, the, the online aspect of it, is clunky at best. And absolutely near unusable at worst. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember back in the day, to before the announcement of the European thing, they were encouraging people to pre-sign up for the... Because there was people who did a beta test too. Mm for network biohazards that were still being called that at the stage, I think, um, before they eventually named it. And, yeah, I remember trying to sign up for that. It was an absolute mess of, of itself back in the day, like 21 years ago. And aspects of it, like navigating the in-game menus and stuff, they're, they're really slow. And But when it all get, when you finally get going and you've got four, you know, three other players... You just select your scenario. In, it's the, we tend to use the free play mode. There is a way you can actually play it as a team and go through all five in one go. Um, I think that's called scenario mode, but we tend to stick to just free play where you just, you know, pick any character you like and just pick a scenario and just go for it. And like you say, yeah, we have used Discord because it's a, it's just the easiest way, you know, have Discord running on your PC, have the emulator running and just 
speak freely as you go through these scenarios. It is the Resident Evil experience that everybody wants. It's a classic RE game, except you've got three of your mates with you all the time. And the mechanics, honestly, we we, we throw around that it, that it was a game ahead of its time, but it, it, that still applies even today. Like the, the stuff that that game does in terms of just like raw ambition, in terms of how you interact with each other, how you can carry each other. Each character is valid because of the eight characters. Each has a different role to play within a group, and obviously finding you know a good cohesion between four you know four of them is great. Do you take Kevin because he's got you know a powerful handgun to start? Do you take Alyssa because she's a lot you know she has lockpicks? Do you take Yoko because she's got four extra inventory slots? Do you take Cindy because she can just literally be the team healer? The, the, the possibilities are endless. And there's no right or wrong answer to it. And that's what makes the game so exciting to play. Because every time you play it, you're potentially playing a different experience. Yeah, the tasks you have to do are the same each time. So some of the scenarios don't lend to replayability as much as others do. Like Outbreak in particular, there's only pretty much one way through that scenario. Um, so it just becomes a bit of a speed run. But decisions, decisions. You can do things in certain orders. Um, you can sequence break in certain places. Underbelly, as an example in the second game, has two completely different outcomes depending on what happens during the scenario. You know, you can actually go to an entire section of that level if you don't behave a certain way. And to just have, you know, an era where we're seeing failed multiplayer experiment after failed multiplayer exper experiment, whether it's reverse, resistance, to know that they cracked it 20 years ago... <laughs> And all they need to do is just bring that back in that kind of capacity is so frustrating because it just feels like it really is locked away in a prison, screaming to get out. I don't want to see a remake. I just want to see a really good remaster with modern servers and a better online interface. And this game will find its audience. I can guarantee it. It won't be a massive audience. It'll still always be a cult hit. But it will have that longevity that will keep this, you know, the, the, this is the reason why people, the fan servers, I think, are 11 years old now. And you, you, then there's not many players on it, but it's still ticking. And like, like Rob's just alluded to, we're still talking about it. So, it, you know, it is the bar. And they did it 20 years ago mm. in, 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 in an online landscape, which if you weren't there for it, I can assure you our younger listeners was very different to what it was now. Absolutely. It was an incredible, incredible game. And if you do have a chance and you've got a decent... You don't need a massively powerful PC or anything like that. If you can run a PlayStation 2 emulator, you can play this game online. Thank you, Sean. That's really useful, really uh, insightful, just to you know tell people what they can expect going in. And um, hopefully you can build, people can build up a good little community like Sean's done and things like that. And get your team down to Raccoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we'll now look at outbreak itself which very much serves as a kind of tutorial the introduction if you like but of course you are treated to one of the greatest opening scenes um opening fmvs in resident evil history a retelling if you like of hunk and alpha team's failed attempt to recover the g virus from birkin himself told from the perspective or viewed from the perspective of a lonely rat scurrying around to a beautiful orchestral tune which crescendos an almighty end that just takes one's breath away it is without doubt one of the greatest sequences that's ever been put to paper to screen and no matter how much you feel about outbreak whether it's a game for you 
there is no doubt that this opening sequence has been told a few times now across different games. Nothing tops it. No, I would go as far as say it's possibly even better than the Resident Evil 2 scene. And that's great. I, I can hear it now, Nick. I can hear that music now. Yeah, I just watched that repeatedly. It just sends shivers down my spine. And it just reminds me just why I fell in love with this series to, to begin with. It's just got just the whole yeah. spirit, isn't it, of the narrative. It's I would, amazing. I would be very happy if the outbreak theme used in that opening FMV would be like the series main theme, if yeah. you like. I particularly loved it on my version um, because, you know, you have this dazzling production value music, like you say, is almost emotionally powerful orchestral sweeping, uh, sweeping score and it culminates in my version with a reminder of the Paul Anderson verse. Oh the no. The North American version of Outbreak uses the fucking movie font for the title. Thanks it so does. much. <laughs> it does. Cool. Us Europeans clinged on to the Impact font for a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> it's, not, it's not actually Impact, Nick. No. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Rob. It's alright. Just letting you know. <laughs> I, I am the one that does all your graphic design for this podcast, so yes, kind of know these things. Nick's just furiously Tim. scribbling out one of the uh, podcast questions. <laughs> <laughs> what font was used? In that? Oh dear! Uh, any I mean, brief, very briefly, particular highlights of that opening scenario? I mean, it didn't add anything particularly new, other than well, no, no, I lie, tell a lie. The attack on the on on the USS people being ta- bitten by the rats. We hadn't seen that before, and I found that quite effective in the kind of way it moved into like the the virus splitting off. I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, I mean, one of my favourite bits of it is actually where where the camera pulls back, comes straight out of the vent, and you can just hear the city. Yes, like the, pretty much the only yeah. time we ever know it, just sounding like a normal city. You know, horns beeping and just hustle and bustle, knowing it's not going to be like this soon. That's just I always find it. It's just such a powerful moment because it's. It's beginning. It's beginning of so much in this series. It's it's like a crossroads point, isn't it? The world of Resident Evil could have gone very differently if certain things hadn't happened here. I love at the end that contrast because you get that sweeping kind of crescendo, and then it all quietened down as the, as the camera pans away, kind of out the drain, and you just see that 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 car parked on the streets of Raccoon City, as Star says, and then you hear the, like the faint sound of a siren in the distance. It's almost you know, is that the siren of the you know? Patient Zero kind of thing, you know, the, the first sort of incident as uh, as we see at Jack's Bar. But yeah, that sequence is great. And do you know, just briefly, um, I was actually, this is amazing how like the, the modern, in, you know, it feels like it's been informed by the past. The, the, the rat was running through. I was actually reminded of the debut Remake 2 trailer. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. With the mouse running through the, the store in first person. Uh, yeah, a bit of a homage. Homage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna before we start the actual scenario though, I think we've got a good bit of a law input here. So we have the attack on Birkin, and then the outbreak kind of scenario kicks off. But what we haven't seen yet, or it's very close to see, close to it happening, is that uh, as George says, that kind of patient zero, that big catalyst, if you like, for why the outbreak started. And this is alluded to very subtly with the news report that's going on in in Jay's bar. So, Batman, did you want to expand upon the the football game that's going on and what you what what can we infer from how the outbreak actually was caused at least in this part of the city? I think it's important to remember that Raccoon City was always doomed, you know, yeah. ever since the mansion incident, uh, Umbrella was overloading the or Birkin, I should say, was sabotaging some facilities. So the virus was already sort of slowly leaking into the city. There'd been a number of 
murder cases going on and sightings of strange creatures, you know, for sort of a month leading up to this. The attack on Birkin by the USS takes place on September 23rd, early hours of the morning, um, and the football game happens the following day, but the same date. And what we hear from the news report is that there was obviously someone in the crowd who was infected. They've obviously tried to bite the person next to them it's then kicked off a riot and the virus has spread very quickly because there's god knows how many thousands of people trapped in this stadium and that's the big crowd we see at the end of this scenario so hunk's mission definitely kicked off a tidal wave of infection um i think there's files mentioning a police operation i don't think these files are actually in the scenarios we're talking about tonight but we obviously see the police on the streets cordoning streets off and trying to evacuate civilians so it was interesting to see you know the perspective of the outbreak right from the very beginning and i would argue that this while the events of outbreak and hellfire are taking place it's probably the same time dylan blake and his unit from death island were brought in to help barricade the town and stop people from getting out as well so there's plenty of stuff going on throughout the day but it really is the football match that um results in such a, a large amount of zombies walking around very early on mm. i remember it was a bit of a you like oh you know if you could work out that it was quite early on why are there so many so many zombies and you have to that they're, they're all football fans so there we go uh <laughs> trying to uh get out and that's why as you said that's why they're there um but what was nice and a f- pretty much first time you know there's lots of npcs here in in, in the outbreak scenario that you know that we we don't historically see a lot in Resident Evil 2 and 3. Normally the town's gone to hell other than stragglers, but here we get much more of the RPD, we get the uh, fire department as well. But we'll come to them as we play through. So, Outbreak, who did, who played as who? Who was, who's your, who's your tonic? Where's your man at? (laughs) I can't do any impressions. Shout out to the voice acting for this game. I know Rob mentioned it earlier, but oh my god, you know. What a weird customer. I I had to make a comment. I mean, it was a first reaction. I was just like, jeez. <laughs> but um, it has its charm, much like the... I, I made it sound like a complaint, but it does have its charm, I have to admit. It it's not great, but it's a, yeah, it's memorable for why and wrong reasons. My, my <laughs> other favourite, but actually I, would, I just want to mention as an overall thing, is obviously the difference between what's on screen text-wise and what's being said constantly is always a, like, a lick-check chuckle from yes. people at first. Okay. He continued in Dead Aim, well, started in Dead Aim and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, well, what a weird customer. Um, <laughs> uh, who, who did everyone who did everyone choose to play? Does everyone have a favourite? I just went with Kevin, just because he, start, he starts with a gun. <laughs> he starts, yeah, he does. That's the benefit, yeah. Yeah, same here. Kevin. I chose Kevin because he just kind of channeled sort of vibes of Bruce McGiven for me. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a f- failed stars entrance, though. Entrant, he's, uh, that's <laughs> his... But, Bit of back lore. Sean, who do you tend to I play uh, as? I stuck with my main, who has always been my main, and that is Alyssa. Alyssa. The healer. No, lockpicker. Lockpicker. Sorry, lockpicker. I always get mixed up with Cindy. The reporter, Nick. Yeah, sorry, I always get mixed Lisa up. breaks into things. She, she yes. can do a pot shot like Kevin. Which um, she has a dodge move and she has a lockpick. So I'm um, I I'm always Yoko. Always Yoko. I I need the extra space. I like to pick things up. And I like to try and hoard health as well. Um, I, I, as much as I enjoy it, it is annoying when you want to like switch out 
Mm. If you know what I mean, you know, have to switch, open up, like go into the knapsack, select that, swap it with something else, and, stuff. and that, the, yeah, that that's another. Oh, and you can't pause it. You can't. You want no, like, get in offline even, mode. You, you want to do it. Yeah. yeah, that is another thing I should have added. I totally get the idea that they limited inventory space and down to the the the, the itemable carryables and the basic personal pocket. But it is frustrating for an offline mode because obviously the idea was that you work with others so everyone can have their own slots, which is great in an online game. But for an offline game, it's very frustrating. <laughs> I don't know if this has ever been confirmed anywhere, but every scenario is kind of tailored towards one or you know one or another of the characters. So, for yeah. example, and we'll come to them in future podcasts. Like Yoko's one is very much um, below freezing point. She gets an extra cutscene, but if she meet when she meets up with um, Monica, no, like, that that one's the same. That's fine. That's... Thinking decisions, decisions. Am I? Oh, there we yeah, go. She gets, but, a, uh, she gets an additional scene with uh, Greg Mueller. That's it, yeah. She, yeah. But there's certainly different. Is, is Outbreak, I mean, you could argue it's it's Cindy's, isn't it? I mean, she, she works there, but is that. Is Outbreak passes them all because they're all it, present. Yeah. yeah. You've got elements for them all because Mark's got his partner with him. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yoko gets a small extended scene, doesn't she? Because she runs into the bathroom and cuts her, cuts her hair. Yeah. Yes, um, I started. They, they all get a moment that is unique to them, like you see Alyssa on the laptop. And what's Kevin doing? He's just sat there drinking a fucking pint. In full uniform, he'd get a bollocking <laughs> for that. Well, over here, he would. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, whilst, whilst literally every other officer's been mobilised to <laughs> fucking sort out the 100,000 zombies walking around, he's just getting pissed. <laughs> Jim character though, I think that's neat. This is why he failed his fucking stars exam. Yeah, twice. <laughs> Kevin, what a legend! <laughs> so it kind of kicks off with you know the opening scene, and then the zombie kind of like zombies burst through. Um, and another annoying habit of it is a lot of respawning enemies in this game, which I find uh, particularly frustrating. But I mean, again, it's designed to keep you moving. You're not really supposed to explore that heavily but again look at jay's bar what uh any particular highlights i i started in the in the in the toilet i think as, as yoko yeah, yeah, okay, you can, yeah you can have uh, a look, look around there I, I i i'm gonna have to sit parts of this out because the th- problem is i've become so well rehearsed on it now that i i can't not play it the way i know it so like instantly as Alyssa, i grab the gun off the counter i run straight to the door use the lock pick get upstairs almost immediately mm. whereas if you don't have a listen, you haven't got a lock picking the door, then you've got to find the key. So you would have had to find the key then, Nick. Yes, I did. Yes. Couldn't tell you the name of the key, but I had to find the key. Um, but it, at that point, it's not too difficult to navigate. There's not that many zombies. So I, I didn't encounter too many problems at this point. Did you barricade the door to the bar? I don't think I did. No. Yeah, the big barrels you can push in front of the door to buy you to a minute of time or something. Yeah, a couple of minutes. That's what I like about this scenario. It's 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 a unique experience in some respects because it's the inevitability of of the zombies are coming for you, but there's certain things you can do to delay them and buy yourself more time. Like with the barrels blocking the door, and on the first floor you can get the nail gun and use planks planks of wood mm. to block the door. You know, I like doing stuff like that just to buy you those extra few minutes to explore the, the, the optional rooms. The yeah, planks of wood thing is hilarious because it basically does almost nothing. <laughs> I have it, to admit, it, like it stops about two two zombie hits. 
But it's, yeah. it can make it mean it's the difference between life and death. Possibly. Yeah. I haven't got much more time. I was only just going to say, just in terms of sort of being ahead of it. Ahead of its time and and, and things to delay uh, the onslaught. So I just was surprised just how many little things you know years before Alien Isolation, hi, you know, hiding in the locker. Um, yeah. The, the, there was this animation. I mean, I I called it up accidentally, but this animation where my character model was was sort of hu- hu- pushing up against the door, you know, almost like barricading against zombies coming in on the other side, like kicking them as well. When when I was out of ammo, just little things like that. Well, it introduced um, a few new mechanics, didn't it? Like using brooms and iron pipes. Yeah. We'd never yeah. seen that before. Yeah, an entire melee system, basically, yeah. isn't there? Like, you know, if you um, go over to an enemy, you can kick them while they're down and stuff like that. It's You shoulder barge if you don't have any weapons. Although Kevin's got a yeah. good kick if you if you want to use that. Is that, is that effective? I didn't... It's just good for staggering. So you can like right. run up to a zombie, give it a kick, and then run past it. It's not designed to dispatch anybody, really, but it saves ammo. It's also that thing about creating, combining things that traditionally in previous Resident Evil game types you wouldn't combine to make new usable items and weapons and stuff that they hadn't done before that I'm surprised they didn't do more of later on. If you've got David with you, he can use his uh, tape in his inventory to craft together some very effective weapons like cattle prods and uh, rock hammers. He's always worth having on the team if you can. Uh, I will say, uh, John's talked about this offline, but it is worth pointing out that if you go off the beaten track, which I don't tend to, because like I say, I'm so well rehearsed on it now that I, I tend to just stick to the objectives and just blitz through it. But if you do actually go into all the side rooms and stuff, Jay's bar is like a really like, vi- I mean, and that's a, another aside, like the visuals still hold up today, by the way, whether you play it on a CRT or if you emulate it in, you know, 4K or whatever, it looks exquisite even now it wouldn't need much work for a remaster but like a lot of the side rooms and such have such great detail in there and um the re- not so much the return but the use of environmental descriptions when you examine things yes is is, is very present in this game um yeah. there's a lot to see in jay's bar if you go off the beaten track there's also a lot of random events isn't there i don't know how you trigger them but there's some <laughs> Like the building's meant to be haunted, and I think if you go in the owner's room on certain playthroughs, there'll just be like a random female scream. Yeah. You know, and there's you, lots of things like that. And you can use your lighter in some rooms and find hidden messages on the wall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, there's loads of special items as well. I think each time the game loads, there's eight special items you can find that are completely randomized, and that some are related to our main cast. So, for example, you can find something like Barry's bottle in yeah. in the forklift room. Oh. Is it or is it in the? It's, it's it's upstairs somewhere, and it's and then when you read the description, it's like it's a it's a bottle drank by the the, the name inscribed is like B Burton or something. It's a sh- it's a shame in some way because the game does kind of like it wants you to move on. If you know what I mean, you know it's not it's not a hub area. I know it's a tutorial level, but you're kind of yeah. you are forced upstairs relatively quickly. And then you kind yeah. of get to the uh, the staff so staff room area, k- kitchenette, um, and whatnot. And it, it's basic puzzles, isn't it? There's a locked door, and you've got to. I was running around for ages because <laughs> I had no idea where to go. I'd um, love to have seen your playthrough, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Honestly, it's twenty years. I cannot remember anything. We'll get to Hellfire. That was just an experience in itself. I eventually just found a key on the floor, and I don't know how it got there. It just turned up. I don't know if the game was just giving it to me out of sympathy, and but I don't know. It was on the table. 
Is that where it normally is? It's hidden under the newspaper. You have to pick up the hidden newspaper. Hidden under the newspaper. The, key, the key's beneath it. I, w- I was just running around wasting ammo because the, the zombies just respawn after a while. They don't all come upstairs and then they just kind of like, oh, some come up and then and I was running like, oh, I couldn't find where I needed to go. And was, the frustration creeps in because of the virus gauge. And I wouldn't have minded. I wouldn't have minded if it was just, you know, if that wasn't present. But then going through every room and it just takes, it, it, it's 10 seconds every room on the PlayStation 2. Mm. And you go, well, that's not long. That is a long time. Each room. Um, it, is for, it is for like what, what we've been saying tonight, like Rob says it, like it's supposed to be a fast paced game. It's supposed to be pushing you. Yeah. All the time, and like the the game and the way it's designed is just pulling you back. It's like you know, it's like, come on, I want to go. Stop, stop fucking loading. It does, and and it doesn't. And I think this could be one of the kind of fundamental issues is that because you're playing a basically a pre-rendered background tank controls Resident Evil, you, I just have this in, inherent ability. To, I want to explore and have a look around, and I, I almost had that with like uh, when we played Resistance that one time. I was like, oh, this is nice. Uh, mm. I want to have a go and have a look around, and you can't. You'd be dead. And it it just it doesn't come naturally to me, which is why I like like seven and eight. You know, you've got that time to have that little you know that feel, explore the area. Every time I go into a new room or a new corridor, I explore the entire corridor first before then picking what room I go into. Still do that every game. That's the way I play. And Outbreak lets you do it, but it punishes you because of the loading times when you go through the door. Go, oh, I don't want to go in that door. No, not that one. And then you might forget what room you've gone in. And so, yeah, the, I, I can't remember how I lo- couldn't find the key. But, yeah, <laughs> I, eventually, I eventually found it and got out. But I suppose that you can then move on to... And I, I think I brought this up on, the, on, on our Discord as well. You go upstairs to the liquor room which I think is geographically one of the most craziest places you've, I've ever been. Having formerly used to live in a pub when I was a child, I have no idea on earth why or how, and uh, answers on a postcard, please, how they would get the liquor on the wine barrels, the wine barrels up get to the third to... floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or once up there, down two flights of stairs to bring it to the bar. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. It, it was baffling. Like a room in the wine room. Yeah. Or a forklift. And the forklift? How did the forklift get up there? There's no ramps. There's no big doors. They've literally no the building around a forklift. There is one big door. There is one big shutter you can't open. Yeah, but it's got a stairwell on the other side of it. No, not that one. There's another one that you can't you can't open at all. Okay, maybe I stand corrected then. I, I do apologise if that's the case. Yes. Mm. But I like I really like that area. Um, I like the fact that you can kind of make up your own kind of Molotov cocktails type things if you were, if you wanted to, and you've got mm. like little small rooms. And for offline, you can save local save room here for one of the first ones, which is helpful. And again, it was a, it's a new environment. We've not seen something like that. There was something similar in Survivor. I think, or am I thinking of? I think there's a wine room in, or am I thinking of something else in Survivor? I think yeah, there is in the in the back of the restaurant. It's under underground in the church. I think there's in like the a wine, a little wine cellar. But this is the first time we had. You know, it's a lot more detailed, and again, it introduces you to the crawling mechanic, which again was a new thing of being. You need to find the forklift key, and then you know, climb up and escape escape that way because reasons but again it's not it, nothing's tricky at this point in time and there's not too many zombies and I, I i personally didn't have any problems i don't ask how sean you got on i think you, you can complete this scenario in 14 minutes yeah so, and, that, and that's slow compared to some people yeah you, you can bomb it 
but I took an hour, obviously. <laughs> but that's just that's just my normal playthrough. Were you saving uh, Bob? Did I, you I... go down the stairs and open the shutter so he could he could come through? No, I didn't. No, did no, you? I didn't. No. Yeah, I did. I got him all the way up to the roof, and I thought that triggers some sort of unique cutscene where he dies, but it didn't on my playthrough for some reason. What? So what happened when you got up to the roof with him? Nothing. He just stood there as an NPC and, and got bitten by about six zombies, and then I just you left him. Have, you have to walk him beyond a certain point. Right, okay. On the way, on the way to the fence. He will, he will shoot himself on every difficulty except very hard, and he'll turn into a zombie on very hard. Mm. Oh, that's brutal. I That's what I mean. There's so much replayability as well because there are variations in things. Yeah, Aramil, the bartender who gets bitten at the start, he reanimates on the harder difficulty, I think. I'm, I'm gutted you can't save him. I think that's, mm. well, that's one of the biggest oversights of Outbreak is you can't save Will. He's he's just destined to die, the poor bastard. Mm. <laughs> Will, we hardly knew you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you kind of eventually work your way out and then you kind of get onto the rooftop and and this is where you kind of get your first kind of look out what's going on in the city. I think there's there's clues in the background. There's kind of smoke rising up and, you know, it's not quite going to plan. And then you kind of hear some of the crows. Um, and this is your first encounter with crows, which I'd imagine as they are an early, they, they must have been a key contributor to the infection as well. If they were feasting on flesh quite early on. Yeah. And the, the bloody annoying in this game. Mm, they are. Is it auto aims a bit of a pain? Yeah, it's it's not great in this one. It's much better in file two. But you need to basically you need to make sure the crows are nullified by the time you're doing your building jump because if you fuck that up, oh yeah, and yeah. then and then fall to the point where you've got a button mash to pull yourself back up, a crow can actually make you plummet into the alleyway below and end your run quite quickly. Because none of the AI characters are helping you get up. No, just kicking that bloody fence down is painful. I couldn't. I don't know if it's me. You just keep sort of pivoting in a circle. I'm, I'm afraid I, ha- I had to Google. I knew where I had to go because I remembered it, but I had no idea how to do it. And so much, so I gave George a bit of a hint. I was like, just, just shoot it, because I was, I was looking at, I was looking at the manual because it, it basically implies you know, you can shoulder barge this slab or whatever it is. And I was like, well, what's the bloody shoulder barge button? Oh. And I, and I was looking. For I got out, got out the manual, and I was like, "Oh, it's good old days." Is it in there? Is it fuck? And I was, I was going on to Game Facts, probably by you, Rob. And I was like, "Where?" No, <laughs> I didn't do an outbreak guide. And I was like, "Oh didn't my gosh!" It, so I didn't know right. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know what to do." And I thought, "I'm just going to shoot it," and then I, it works. I, this again is where I'm like, "It's a great idea. I like the concept of the mechanic of being able to like knock." things down and it's that environmental storytelling one of those things that we lamented in the pre-render background area that he's like why couldn't you climb over that or squeeze through this they thought about it and went okay we can make objects that can be roadblocks that you can actually hit but then they make them exceptionally painful to knock down (laughs) they take so long Mm. you know i think i think if you kick that fence you have to kick it like 15 20 times something ridiculous like that and this carries on in the scenario as well when you meet up with the raven just it's just one of those things everything's so methodically slow great concept but just poorly executed so you struggled a bit there batman as well wasn't just wasn't just me. No, I struggled as well. Um, I, I think I 
get two kicks on the fence and I don't know if it was the way I was holding the controller but he would just start spinning in a circle and start kicking thin air and then by the time I got realigned there was like a crow pecking my neck it was just oh yeah frustrating yeah it's worth saying as well that if people aren't aware um, R1 is the auto aim button but if you press R2 you'll just aim in front so if you wanted to target specific things you can just use the R2 button once you do crack down that wall you kind of make your way and then yeah jumping another strange mechanic well it's not really a mechanic is it um as, as Sean's alluded to, something you've never done in Resident Evil up to that point, and jump across I, a great ravine. I'd call it a mechanic for the sake that it was something you'd never done before in a in a title. It's it's just a scripted event. Yeah. Yes, but it's not clear. I mean, it goes back to the, you know, if this was if this was a different game, Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five, you know, you, there would be a button prompt or a oh yeah. A, you know, yeah. there's no, there's none of this, and I was just kind of clinging on, going, "Am I going to climb up anytime soon?" And I've got a button. I just started pre- instinctively. I just pressed a button, thinking it would do something. It was almost like you know, like when you used to play Pokemon, you used to press B when trying to capture a Pokemon because you've been told on the playground that, that that increases your catch rate. I have no idea if it does, but it, it did it. And I was like, "Well, I'm clinging on. I'm just going to press a button and see what happens." And you kind of climb up. And it worked. But again, no button prompt. It doesn't tell you anything. It's like the proper REs of old. Crack on and see how well you get on. Did you not think it was amazing when the police showed up, though? It just it really opened up the universe. You know, after playing through Resident Evil 2 and 3 where they're all dead, and now you suddenly see them running around with the, the little RPD uniforms on and all the police cars. I thought, I thought that was wonderful. I won't lie. I think Raymond Douglas is one of the stars of the show. I'm yeah. devastated he doesn't make it beyond the opening because he's just he just seems like such a sound guy. Mm. Yeah, he does, yeah. He sort of took up the mantle after Chief Irons locked himself in his office. He does. And I think you're right because up until this point, I mean, yes, you've got a kind of bar scene with lots of humans and then a zombie, but it still felt like this could be towards the middle, perhaps the middle stages of the outbreak. You know, it felt you hadn't seen anyone else bar your little group in the bar. It had been zombies and crows going on. And then suddenly, as John says, you you then meet normal people and you meet, you know, the police and they're all kind of chilling out, you're not chilling out, but you know what I mean? They're kind of coming in and going, right, we've got to sort this out. And then you get, you know, the police, you know, the firefighters and all that. And it, it, as you said, it just expands it that little bit more and it made it feel, actually, we are quite early on. And they, they're, they're saying, we don't know what's going on. And you're like, oh, have and we just been where, the, we're the wrong place, wrong time type scenario. This is where I start to have big issues with the remake timeline because Outbreak, you know, what we're, we're sort of circa... Are we saying the 23rd, 24th of September mm. for this, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evening of the 20... Well, no, because Hunk's yeah. attack is 20... Well, I've, I've gone with the evening of the 23rd. Hunk's attack is like the very early hours of the 23rd, so it's this is like towards the end of the next day. So it's the same date, but it is a good sort of 20 hours mm. later. So what you're seeing is the the downfall of the city beginning. It's the, It's like the inception of everything going wrong. And yet we're led to believe in the remake timeline that when Jill departs her apartment on the 28th, it's only really just going down then, you know, some four, five days later. And it just it just doesn't add up to me. Whereas yeah. like when she departs in the original RE3, 
you know, she's literally propelled through an explosion and then there's zombies everywhere. It's almost, It already feels established by this point that everything has long gone wrong. Yeah, it's worth saying that the outbreak scenarios simply don't happen in the, in the remake verse. You know, that's not a bias towards the originals. It's not a slight on the remakes. It just, it just doesn't fit, you know. The scenarios we're talking about tonight happen on the 23rd of September and by the morning of the 24th the army's arrived and completely quarantined the city whereas in remake verse police are only just attending the third uh, zombie related incident of the month on the morning of the 25th so you know none of none of this has happened in the remake verse that it really all kicks off two days later in Remake 2 and 3. It's more the 25th as opposed to the 23rd, but Hunk's mission still happens on the same date. Well, Brad's ordering a pizza on the 27th, isn't he? Yeah. So it's... Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of other things. You know, there's obviously Marvin's Marvin getting bitten, and in, re- in Remake 2, the escape plan to go through the main statue, you know, Marvin's clearly got no prior knowledge of that, so that obviously means desperate times never happen so yeah I'm, I'm sure the characters and the locations and everything exist in in the remake world but the scenarios themselves simply don't fit so i think it's easier just to leave them out completely so my only disappointment a bit with this scenario is we don't you don't get to spend any time in the the new apartment block that you kind of jump into i thought it was quite an interesting little thing you kind of run you can run through and you get down and you're, and you're kind of out onto the main street. I would have, wouldn't have minded spending a little bit more time in it. I thought it was quite an interesting opportunity, should we say, of people <laughs> shouting you, what are you doing? Get out of my house. But uh, none of that. I think at this point you are actually then close to the... Well, you, well the police, the, the rescued by the police. Is it the, the um, Apple Inn at that point? You're not far off? off. You escape through some back alleyways with um, that was it, yeah. Raymond Douglas. And then obviously he gets killed, you blow up the tanker and then you, you cut through the sewer and then you emerge outside the Apple Inn. And what I liked about those alleyways is that they're almost ripped directly from Resident Evil 3 with those kind of like weird windows that you could almost see. They weren't any, but you could see like, feel like the arms were going to come through these kind of windows at, um, are, you know, at height, arm height level. It very much felt like it was the same city that you played RE2 and 3 in. Mm, but, definitely. But... This is an important point, actually, from a law point of view. So we'll come to it a bit later with Hellfire, but Hellfire itself happens very early on in the scenario, and we'll explain why we think that is the case. But a very popular theory that I think has been touted for many, many years is that, although you don't see it, outbreak up until this point happens with all eight people in a kind of canonical sense. And then four of them go one way and then um, and carry on with the outbreak scenario and then the other four go and do hellfire that's that's i mean it, it, that's that can't be proven in any way but it then helps have um you know that those those particular scenarios and there's no one you know, who does what and who is you know wh- which one goes which way but that that theory has been a very popular theory in the in the in the fan fandom for a long time well, I think it's earlier than this point. I think people think the group splits up at the start when the zombies first break into the bar. Oh, did they? Oh, sorry, I thought it was now. No, no I think both scenarios start pretty much the same time because obviously all eight of them are in the bar at the start. Yeah. And then when you take control of the player in the main bar, the idea is four of them have already left and are running down the back alleys and end up at the Apple Inn. Oh, I see. Oh, I thought it was at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because the clue is when you when you walk past the Apple Inn in Outbreak, you can see through the doors that the vent inside has collapsed and the vent 
collapses when the Regis liquor turns up at the end of Hellfire. So when you're passing the Apple Inn in Outbreak, in theory, the other four characters should be in the lobby of the Apple Inn fighting the liquor at that time. And then when you leave in the police van, they Maybe. emerge from the inn a few minutes later, and that's the end of that scenario. Ah, okay. if, that makes, if that makes sense. Ah. It's, it's a stretch, but it's what we basically applied for for years, haven't we? Yeah, because we're never because obviously we're missing ten scenarios. We've only got half the jigsaw puzzle, so to speak. So we're never mm. going to be able to conclusively say what happens when. We can only make educated guesses. Yeah, and it's then... worth saying to our audience that we we're piecing together the scenarios in their placing, and there's no concrete dates or anything. A lot of it is just speculation. So you know, Hellfire's placement was given because the fire brigade officer speaks to you at the end of the scenario and tells you that the army's been called in. And then Outbreak depicts the army arriving in the morning. So you know that takes place on the same day as Outbreak. That's all we've basically got to go on and and the other environmental details that John's alluded to here. And that is how we've had to piece together the entirety of these 10 scenarios. Outbreak was initially a much bigger game with some 20 scenarios planned across I don't know how many titles. And then at some point, 10 were scrapped. Some images of them have made it online. Some of them were used in earlier trailers. And one of them is even was even used in a Famitsu article and actually shows a, an in, a fully intact cutscene. That's the A Day in Raccoon scenario, which never made it. So when we're sort of assembling the jigsaw of Outbreak, everyone has their own little interpretations of how the events work. It's worth saying that it's not 100% concrete what we're saying. It's just educated guesses and things like that. Just wanted to put that out as a caveat. And there's, as you said, there's there's obvious ones. So like below freezing point has to happen before Leon and Claire get to the the lab. The hive has to take place before Carlos blows up the hive. If mm. you want to call it, you know, yeah. that, there's there's big things like that. And of course, decisions, decisions, and end of the road must take place 30th of September. Yeah. Late, late, or the you know the first of October. Just, just ignore the multiple bombings as opposed to a single. I don't know why yeah. they did that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come to that in a future podcast, I'm sure. That's it then. Get in, please. The highway is too dangerous. We're taking side streets. Damn! Another barricade. As you can see, there are too many roadblocks. I'm afraid you'll have to get out and continue on foot. Right, anyway, back to Outbreak. How good, it's just been great being picked up by a police officer and put in the back of a pig wagon. It was uh, wonderful. Well, before that, Nick, how did you get on with old Raymond? Um, I think he... Perished. Did you help him with the door, or did you just stand there and let him do all the work? What did I do? What did I do? I didn't. You can help I didn't him. Ha- you, can, you can. You can do the door as well. I didn't have the shotgun. I don't think. I don't think I acquired it. There is. There is one in the back of the police cars in the main street. Yeah, I don't. I think he was. I he was sorting himself out, and um, <laughs> I was just battling. I was just taking down the zombies on the street. If you play on hard or very hard, these are scissor worms and not zombies. Mm, which is, makes for a very different experience. But is it? This is not where. It's where you climb. You can climb. You climb over. This is the point where you climb over the car when you can get to the other side if you want as well. Yeah. 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 
fine. So I was Did gonna... you struggle with blowing up the tanker? So yes, because you have to make sure all the NPCs are not wandering around in the oil before you set it alight, because it just won't let you do it. Oh, didn't so know I think, that. I think I had Cindy and Mark with me, and... Cindy had already died somewhere in the pub, but Mark, I was trying to light the fucking fuel and Mark was just sort of staggering around in the bloody petrol and I was like, get out the fucking way. In online, it is, uh, sorry, offline, it is always worth doing the commands, even if they don't feel like they're doing much. They, they, The AI will respond if you tell it to come here and things like that. They might disagree, they might even tell you no sometimes, but they do right. tend to do what they're told. Where did I get the, where did I get the lighter from then? Was it Raymond Drive? Remember, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I I picked it up and I was like, I know what I need this for. And yeah, I sorted that out. But it's again, the, the, the cutscenes, they're so slow. The, the pausing, the loading for a little two second pause. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, hurry up. I yeah, thought the, it... the fire animations in this were really good. Yes. It's a stunning looking game even now. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And then, yeah, you kind of end up blasted against the wall, don't you? And then you kind of ended up in the sewer and you can kind of, yeah, go, go climbing. And you're swimming. Another new mechanic. You can go for a little swim down the canal if you really want to. You can, you can. Um, there is a neat little file when you emerge out the sewer. I don't know whether you explore that area before you get um, taken away in the van. But if you go and read one of the newspapers in the... It's like a little stand on a wall. You get reports of uh, blonde women disappearing. And it's a very neat allusion to stuff that uh, Irons has been doing. I've always interpreted it as. Yeah, definitely. Nice little cool Easter egg. And there's a couple of NPCs by the police van and you can talk to them as well, which is nice. Yeah, so is, it, it, is the police oh. officer called Dorian there, I think? Dorian, yeah. He evacuates you and then he's stumped by a very, very large roadblock comprised <laughs> of two little plastic signs. <laughs> as you can see, there are too many roadblocks. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in that bye. Thanks. <laughs> It's amazing how it's frustrating, but understandable. You don't really see where you're going and what road, because I mean, in Resident Evil Two and Three, there's never really been any instance of what 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 an actual road is in this game, because they've always been blocks there and always made it look like a kind of corridor. And again, they kind of just brush over that a little bit, don't they? And they just kind of go oh, fade to black, get in the get in the car, and then oh no, it's a roadblock. End of that, which is unfortunate. But Eric, what's taking so long? Hurry up! I'm trying! I'm almost done! Ah. Hurry! Hurry! This way! Okay, it's done! Eric! What should I do? And it's also amusing if you do the other scenario ending have you ever done it what's the other ending if you go and get the cutscene where the zombies are you basically get the zombies on the main street cutscene yep. with the with them trying to wire up the bomb if you then run back to dorian and speak to him he'll just fucking drive you out the scenario no yeah this is, this is a complete alternate ending where he's just like okay we'll go then and then you just drive off and you don't get the you don't blow up the street or anything wow I did not know this. Yeah, what? Oh my god! What, what Actually, moral? Yeah, you have to watch it on YouTube, Nick. But I shall. There, yeah, you can just you can just leave. You don't even have to go and do the the big 
set piece in the main street, you can literally just go back and speak to him. I think all three players, all, all live players have to be present for that cutscene to occur. Because I remember I, if you try and do it and you don't have your AI partners with you, it won't work. What but a, if you play it on like lone wolf mode, it'll do it. What a vacuous, immoral decision. So, um, yeah, the roadblocks weren't really roadblocks because you just drive away anyway. It's a bit anticlimactic. Do do the main street way. Yes. I thought Main Street was great because in, obviously in most of the scenarios you get a kind of end boss of some sort and this is just the the end boss being zombies but mm. with, a, with with a clear objective and um it's not challenge it's not particularly challenging you can get yourself in a bit of a tangle though if you're struggling a little bit as I was with the controls because it the way the kind of panning works you can easily just run into a zombie um, it you know it's perhaps not as fl- fluid should we say is perhaps even like Code Veronica's movements? Should we say, and you yeah, ended up totally running. Code Veronica's responsive to it, yeah, compared to this, yeah. And I found myself getting hit and hit because I thought I got it all. This is the annoying thing. I thought I, I was unaware that it was like three, almost like three components to it. And I thought I got it all. Yeah, and I was like, nothing combining. I was like, what's going on? What's going? On? I went back to the front and I was looking at, I was going, what have I missed? And then it's completely the other side to bring it all together. But yes, I, 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 ne- I nearly went. <laughs> I nearly died, but I was okay. Anyone else have any problems with this, Rob? No. How did you? How did I've you get on with the main this, I've been listening to this in-depth conversation about the about the scenario. No, I mean it's funny enough. That scenario is probably the one I played the most. I remember playing through it a few times, so I kind of had a bit of muscle memory. I did have to look like you did. I had to look a couple of things up to jog my memory. Um, but that area is relatively straightforward once you figure it out. As you said, it's not exceptionally taxing. I had no idea about that alternate ending either, so it was a surprise to me. Appreciate no problems it. with the Main Street bomb, you're okay in your playthrough? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You were fine, you were fine. Batman? Yeah, it was okay. I think it's just a bit, a bit of a shock when you first go down there, just how many zombies they are. But I think mm. most of them are just part of the background. I don't think they can actually get you. But yeah, it's uh, it was okay. It was impressive visually at the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Kind of did explain the load times a bit, but you're kind of, it's like what Nick said when you're kind of going through it all the time, you're kind of like, oh gosh. But yeah, the, the, the visuals are a standout for the, especially for the time and the number of characters on screen. I think I've used this example before and the difference between, say, Outbreak and Resident Evil 4. As you progress in Resident Evil 4, and if you saw that number of Ganado on screen with Leon, you'd be like, yeah, let's go boom. Let's go blow some up. Whereas when you're playing Resident Evil Outbreak, or if it was any other Resident Evil you know, early game for that matter, and you saw that number of zombies, you'll be like, oh shit. You'll be like, that, I, what, I'm not surviving that. It just, just shows you that the sheer change in pace and the attitude, if you like, between Outbreak and 4, which of course would be the next game, that slow-paced survival horror replaced with that kind of survival tension, survival action of 4, it just, you know, change your, your your mindset on it and whether that's down to the, the, the controls being a bit chonky and a bit, you know. It, I, I just find it interesting because you at that point we'd never seen that amount of zombies on screen at once. And you, you go into it going, oh my God, how the hell am I going to survive that? Whereas if in the, exactly the same scenario happens in just the next game along, you're quite happy to go in going, yeah, boom, bang, die, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, I just find it an interesting comparison between the two games. But that does finish Outbreak once you've gone the bot, um, you know, put the bomb components together, go back, set it off, and up it goes. And that wipes out Main Street. That takes out a lot of the zombies. 
um, which gives everyone a bit of respite. And you get a really cool end scenario, end, end FMV, where uh, we've already mentioned, really, haven't we, about the, the army being called in. You get a really cool shot of, of that literally happening, which is your first clue that actually this is really early on. And I think, is it Resident Evil 2 um, that talks about when the martial law was imposed? Or has it always been Outbreak? Let's put that date. Um, I think Marvin mentions it in his diary in Resident Evil 3. That's it. He's under martial law. Yeah, so I'm, it's good to see. I love that cutscene. Mm. It does so much world building and everything like that. That is just so much bigger than our characters and you know the world we've known up until now. Outbreak really did just expand the events that we knew. Mm. It, only really in file entries and stuff like that. We're actually seeing stuff we'd... At this point, you have to bear in mind, like, Outbreak came out in 2003-4. stroke We'd been reading about these events in files for, like, the previous five years. And to actually see them come to life in FMVs and stuff was a real treat. Almost breathtaking at times. It sounds silly when you look back on these old games and stuff but if you were there at the time it was it was just amazing you just like having your eyes opened so let's summarize then outbreak how's it held out i mean i still personally think it's a great introduction a great tutorial so much so of course they kind of repeat it don't they really in um outbreak file 2 you can kind of replay it or at least parts of it can you replay it? i've never actually done I don't it know. i've never done it no. <laughs> no i've never actually played it in, in file 2 i don't know whether it's the it seems silly. Sorry, sorry, our audience this is quite uninformed. I will try it later. <laughs> but yes, it's it's there's a version of Outbreak is a playable on Outbreak far too. But I still think it holds up very well as a tutorial. Um, I think modern audiences would probably benefit from a bit more tu- intuition than mm. uh, a, a couple of Spare. playing manuals that you may or may not easily miss. But then, of course, I suppose back in the day, you would you would have the you know an actual instruction manual whereas of course you wouldn't nowadays so i think it's possibly too hard because of what you've said back in the day you know people of today you don't know you're born gamers (laughs) of today but like you know to learn these scenarios was trial and error and and you would die a fucking lot until you finally you know not all of them outbreak is a pretty easy one you know the, the games informs you enough um that you'll eventually be pushed into the right directions but certainly later scenarios yeah, yeah. You, know, you you ain't doing that first time unless you're extremely lucky or you know naturally gifted. You, you know you will be experimenting and trying things, and you'll be failing and getting you know massacred by zombies before you even found the item that you need to get. And the you know and you'll die. And the only way to try you know to learn it is to try again and again mm. and again and again. And I don't think people today have the patience for things like that. Well, it was it was struggling to back in the day. I mean, that was one of those things I said, you know, with the with the load times and the general pace, you you ran out of patience to try again and again yeah. and again very quickly because of it. And yeah, and I th- and and that's it. Like there wasn't a balance. It's it, it's it's hard too because like it's not like the game could really do a tutorial if you didn't make that first, you know, that scenario the easiest one for that purpose which I feel they probably should have, but I don't think it, the game was designed that way. You know, we've talked about the 10 scenarios that were cut and they were all just started to be designed at the same time between the, the ones in both both released titles that were supposed to just be one game originally. It's hard because I don't think they had the time to balance these, perhaps the way a game now probably would have with the first scenario being a little bit easier and a bit more of an introductory to get you used to the mechanics and concepts and stuff. Uh-huh. But that's not what games were at the time 
from what I understand, wasn't there rumours that the Adean Raccoon scenario, which is the raiding hotel you see in some trailers, that was originally the first scenario? Because I've, the cutscene that, cut that's depicted on Famitsu is Mickey, who is the motel owner, reading news reports that things are starting to go wrong and nothing has actually happened yet in the city. The, the, there has been rumours that's the case, but it's never been confirmed. It's the same thing. It's the... Whether or not it was, we won't. We don't really know. We can only make the assumptions, much like you can about the scenarios as they stand. Yeah, and without a f- proper release, we'll never know. I, I, I do, I do constantly agree with everyone who's ever said that this thing could do with a remastering. I think Capcom could really the the number of games that have come out with graphics from that era don't have to change anything visually. Keep it exactly as it is, but benefit from load time and voice chat support. Be able to release it in areas where you couldn't play it as an, a network thing previously, you know, Europe and so forth. Like okay. there is there is a potential market for it still as a classic. Still, I think even if the 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 numbers of people, but you would have to put a bunch of these. The, the difficulty thing is there. Should we would have to put a bunch of new life support stuff in it? Yeah, which I don't know if you they would really want to go that far. And yeah, at I that mean, point, it's like whether or not you just remake or make a new version, and then obviously have decided against that. They thought about it and then decided against it. So I would say, going off on that, that the, the, the kind of color palette choice of Outbreak on native hardware on modern TVs is a little brown. Um, I think Code Veronica <laughs> suffers from it as well. It's not as bad as people say. It, uh, well, I'm, I, I was playing it in glorious 576i, and you know this was com- what component cable on a 4K TV, and it, it's not. Di- it's fine, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of brown and grey. I know what you it, mean. Yeah, and it, I, f- I find it with Code Veronica again. I don't find it a problem. I just think it's you know if you were to remaster it, and you know look at how what they did with Code Veronica and remaster it, they made you know yeah. the lighting yeah. on it was dramatically changed re games have an aesthetic guys come on oh, they do no they do absolutely and <laughs> and Out- outbreak has got a very distinctive aesthetic as well an art style which should which absolutely should be preserved but it, I, all I'm, my point is i'm saying it would be it's not as i don't think it would be a simple case of a quick remaster i think this would take quite a lot of effort so it, it could it, it could be how oh, i actually disagree with that yeah. do you okay fine. yeah because <laughs> I play it on I play it on emulation in obviously like HD resolutions, and I think yeah. it looks staggering even now. Like there's issues with like certain FMV cutscenes, you know, certain in-engine cutscenes are re- uh, were rendered in FMV, and and like they show their age. Yeah, but the actual in-game stuff I think looks, you know, you, you can you can point out the odd texture here and there. Of course you can, but it's For still era. Yeah. I think um, this era looks absolutely amazing. Like it's the delivery detail, which again contributes to its to its lengthy load times. But um, yeah, I mean, people have uh, have HDified the textures as well, haven't they, hmm. Sean? Yeah, I think there has there's, been there's some work done to it. Some mods, yeah. people, people have put, put out some mods. I've definitely seen some videos of them in the past, yeah. and they look nice and sharp as well. Like they've taken, they've only taken the original textures and just used an, an upscaler. I think, but what it still, and it what still holds doing? its aesthetic even with that upscaling. It's still, it's sharper, but it still holds the, the the same look because the art design was so strong to be with. Um, what you said about it, like being, you know, brought out for you know modern systems as a remaster, I totally agree. I think it's, you know, I've, I said this earlier, and I'll just quickly repeat it now that I just think it's it's so disappointing that like the Resident Evil experience, online experience that everybody clambers for, and if you were to break it down as a, as a, as a statistic, I bet it's less than one percent of people have played this online. 
of the entire mm. oh, RE fandom. It, I bet it's less than one percent. You know, you George, think about how many million, you know, how many million sales the series has. No one's played this online. No one, apart from a and, very, and, you know, few it's people. It's a select few, yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, I have to. We have to talk about it as well. I guess in that respect, is that the the game sales were were not spectacular. The and the file two did even worse, which why they didn't do a third with the with more yeah. scenarios. You're probably well informed with this, Rob. But like you know, does Sony manufacture the um, sales when when they talk about platinum releases? Because Outbreak File One actually had a platinum release over here. Yeah, it did. Uh, the, the the quantifiableness of it changed depending on where you were and what the game was. Uh, in the early days, I think I remember it was a very set target in the PS One era. You had to have sold X amount of copies to platinum but i think in the ps2 onwards it kind of got a little bit to become a platinum or greatest hits title it kind of was a vague vagaries of terms um some games got just platinum issues for reissues for example even if they hadn't sold particularly the the, the numbers where it made sense so a real good example of that is in europe they released uh, sorry silent hill 2 director's cut on ps2 but it was only ever released as a platinum release which is, I think, and I don't know if that's the same in the US with the Greatest Hits release, but because obviously that game went to Xbox and that was where the director's cut content went, came from, um, when it got reissued to PS2, they didn't put out a new, just standard version. It was a platinum release. Yet comparatively, when Capcom did a special edition of Devil May Cry 3, it just got a normal release. It wasn't a platinum, it was a standard box. So yeah, it, it's it, but neither of them sold as far as I'm aware the numbers to justify a platinum release, which is why Devil May Cry three didn't, but Silent Hill two didn't either, but it got a platinum release. So mm. yeah, I can't I can't answer that. It must have been a threshold that was lower in Europe that just allowed it, or certain games got picked. I don't know. Someone else might know the answer as to why. Uh, yeah. but I don't. George, any kind of closing comments on the outbreak scenario from your your playthrough so far how have you enjoyed it um, i think it's stood up the test of time i mean yeah forgive me because i've got to be genuine in my thoughts and you know i am very restricted in in what i can say just based on the limited gameplay i've had but a lot what came through to me for me is just um well just how unapparent it was that this game is it, it just decades old isn't it was it 2004 when you well, it's 20 years old yeah and just just so much like i said that it's suddenly hiding in a in a locker and think oh hold on a minute you know last time i saw this was alien isolation a few years ago and the extra kind of the mechanics the production levels i mean it is it was ahead of its time just just, just so just so much about it the, the fmvs particularly like, like you said just opening up the world you know we up until that point my my only experience of what was going on around me was just from the um in terms of raccoon city narrative just resident evil 2 and 3 the originals and just just to see Marvin and and everyone and and, and I like Batman says the, the 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 police the extra police that come and save you, um, it really is incredibly world building and um, just I'm really looking forward to the further podcast we're going to be doing on Outbreak where I, hopefully I can contribute a little bit more. But um, yeah, but I don't want to end on a negative note, but it is is a shame that the kind of the online experience of of playing going through Raccoon City almost as an open world experience online has been you know Operation Raccoon City. And, and and all the other things that we've got so uh, I don't, there must be technical reasons there must be i don't know reasons particular reasons behind the scenes why this has never come out as an hd remaster i know at the time when people were asking about this years ago it had a lot to do with the the resolution like the screen of, of, of the game how it was built that it but then we've seen that empty framework 
HD remaster of, of Code Veronica. I just remember back in the day, people were talking about how, in terms of um, the scale, it, it just it couldn't be that, that basically Capcom would have to start from scratch. At least these couldn't be upscaled. Um, Batman, closing comments on Outbreak, the scenario. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's um, a nice little bite-sized chunk of everything you want from Resident Evil. You know, it's quite slow-paced, but intense because of this feeling that you know you're constantly being chased down. There's optional rooms there's puzzles there's secret items to explore there's different things happen on different difficulty levels so there's plenty of replayability there you know from a a world building point of view we've already said how much it really opens up the world of raccoon city and everything that happens in the raccoon city incident itself yeah i uh, i I really enjoy this scenario it's probably out of the 10 it's probably you know, one of the ones I frequent the most. Not that I play this game much, but whenever I do return to it, I always make sure I go through this particular scenario. Right, let's move on to Hellfire. Take downstairs. What's that? It's gonna blow! Get out! So Hellfire is the second scenario. We've chosen this one, obviously, because this is the one that happens kind of chronologically. Um, And we've already discussed how and where we think this probably fits in. And it makes sense based on the early interactions uh, with with the uh, Raccoon Fire Department. Right at the beginning, Charlie and Len, lovely Charlie and Len, are putting out or uh, attempting to put out a... parts of a fire and then get caught up in the explosion which then rips through the apple inn Um, and then your scenario is basically to escape from said apple inn um bit of a poor introduction in my opinion the the opening scenario is well you're just running in aren't you it's not it's the first person you know targeted towards the gate and you go and then you get the little bit extra with 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 the fire department which kind of makes up for it but compared to outbreak i think it's not quite as good and obviously if you're playing on outbreak file one then this will be the fourth scenario so it, it doesn't get a lot of a lot of screen time just to build into it just kind of again thrown into the mix your, your objective is clear escape from um apple in now i really really like this scenario and as i said i've not played this one for a long long time and I felt that this was this this was a quintessential Resident Evil experience, and again, it kind of even though it's not a tutorial, it acts similar to one, but not for Outbreak itself. It kind of acts as a tutorial for the entire Resident Evil franchise up to that point. It, a microchasm of Resident Evil. You're in a creepy place. You've got zombies. You've got liquors. You've got puzzles. You know, you've got big crates. You've got to push around. You've got herbs to collect. You've got gold, uh, gold keys, silver keys. 
and you and you've got to find a red jewel. I mean, of all the things that happen in Resident Evil, it just kind of ticks so many boxes. And although I struggled a little bit with it, I'll come to some particular points and we'll talk about the AI as well and what you've got to do. Oh, I was sucked into this scenario. I thought it was really good. I don't know about anyone else. Sean, one of your favourites or better ones to play? I think it's really good. I just want to put out before I start that I do believe... Um, from what I understand of the production and things like that, that Hellfire was pieced together from the remnants of a Day to Raccoon motel oh. scenario. Because if you go back to the RE Online trailer, a lot of the interior locals of what appears to be that scenario, where you can see like the rain and things like that, they are basically a match for Hellfires. But then obviously they decided to scrap that one, and I don't know whether Hellfire was necessarily made in its place, but Hellfire... You, that we know in the game is some of those scenes in that RE Online trailer from 2002, but with fire added and things like that. So whether they bolted it Hellfire together from the you know the the scrapped parts of that scenario, whether it was always intended to be a very similar sort of thing, I don't know. But just wanted to just get that out of there just in case. Uh, I think Hellfire is amazing. I think it's a really great like like you say a microcosm of. What we know an RE game to be. There's coloured keys, you know, themed puzzles. We're easily pleased. (laughs) But but back then, but isn't this what we play the series for? There's even even a block puzzle. You know, you have to push Mm. a block through a hole in the floor and it acts as a new stairway. There's multiple floors. Yeah, how many? Did you you check your map, Nick? Did you enjoy that? I love checking the map, planning a route. Because there's a a fire blocking that way. It is a bit linear, but yeah. The only oh, no, thing, no. the only thing I have that I hate this scenario for is that absolutely diabolical section um, on the outside of the building where you have to s- sort of shimmy past the mm. flaming window and there's crows and it's so easy to have your entire scenario botched then if you you yeah. know get unlucky with certain timings and whatnot. But once you clear that, the I mean I I played as Alyssa. I always choose Alyssa generally, and I spent the initial. probably 10-15 minutes of that scenario on danger because I had a lead pipe, I couldn't find a gun anywhere I completely botched uh, that outside building bit that I talked about and and outbreak players will know what bit I'm talking about but basically there's a small ledge and you have to shimmy past a flaming window that's occasionally doing flame bursts there's crows flying around and can knock you down and you have to hold on with your fingertips and climb up. I lost all my health in that section and spent the next 10 minutes scurrying around on danger until I found a green herb, got got back to caution. My lead pipe then broke. It was me and Yoko running around with no weapons, no health. We were getting absolutely mullered, but we were still managing to do the safe puzzle. Shout out to Dario Rosso, who was staying at the hotel at that point. By the way, he's he's mentioning what the files. Um, he can even through random chance be the room that you yes. get the. Was it for you, Nick? No, I had. Um... I had. I had Jay Jay Watson. I think it's. I can't even read my own writing. I did write it down because I thought it would come up. Tommy, I think. Did I have Tommy White? Is it Jay Wilson? Either Jay Wilson or Jay Watson is what I is who I had. But you, sometimes you can get Daro Dario, which is what? which is neat. What a great puzzle, though. You're going to have to check a file yep. to, work, to work out the code and check out... Find oh, out whose room you're staying yeah. in. And then use... And, and the safe 
code is different each time. Yes, as well. <laughs> Rob. Sorry, Rob. We interrupted you. That we 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 we've been carried away. <laughs> I was just saying the um the only thing with the map is the same thing you mentioned earlier, which is that obviously everything's still live while you're trying to check the yeah. map. But I do I do appreciate that it puts on things like the weapon there, yeah. other item as well, like kind of like a star point, which is and, quite and, cool, and and shows you where your NPC has died. Mm. In case they are holding a specific item you need to finish the scenario with. But uh, eventually I uh, I went through a double doors, I found a shotgun, found a first aid spray, and we were running from there. Batman, what about you? Um, I appreciate it may have been a while since you, since you have played this, but what's your memories of Hellfire? Yeah, pretty similar, I think. Um, it's got all the ingredients you want from classic Resident Evil. I thought the addition of the, the actual level being on fire itself added to the urgency and the atmosphere really well the only thing i don't really like about it is the liquors i, I don't like the liquors the way the the way they look and the way they act in the outbreak games and the final boss itself the regis liquor liquor was a bit weird the only other irritating thing i don't like and i think it's only present on the harder difficulties is some of the doors can kill you with backdrafts i think do they happen randomly? I can't quite remember. I don't think they happen in the normal difficulties, but if you go through a certain door, there'll be like a big backdraft and it'll either drain you all of health or kill you completely. I can't quite remember. Am I on the right track there, Sean, or am I making that up? Well, rest of it, I don't get... Yeah, Sean, I don't go anywhere near hard. I don't go anywhere normal on this game. I stick too easy. Um, yeah, so it honestly didn't happen to me on, on this playthrough, but when I've played it online with the guys and we've done the harder difficulties... You do get bursts of flame. I can't. I can't exactly remember what it does, but I, I. It might even drop you to the floor, like you say, and then you crawl in crawling status until someone picks you up. I apologise to our audience on that one. I don't quite know one hundred percent, but it definitely does damage you in a big way, and and it is annoying because I don't. I can't remember if there's any mechanics in place that allows you to know that before you open it. But quite sure easy. To, it's quite easy to get lost, from what I remember. I find, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of corridors. Obviously, because it's all burning down, a lot of it looks the same. And I, I seem to remember getting lost on a few occasions. And and when you're playing offline, you've got to rely on your AI AI partner getting a, a key item. Yeah. So this this is the kind of scenario I came across. And again, it it's that undue time pressure that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were playing online because you'd, you'd split your time and you wouldn't need to do all of it. But if you're doing offline, you need to get to grips with where you want to go. And, and a lot of the cor- lot of the rooms do look the same, or at least the corridors look the same. And then you've got to try and remember which ones are blocked and where they're blocked off, because that's not shown on the map specifically. Right. So, you know, it all says it looks like a nice, perfect square going around the middle, but it's not. And you've got to try and remember which one's which. And so it's a lot of map looking. And um, thankfully, the, the rooms are not named, which helps. Um, so you can try and remember, well, that's the owner's room. OK. And, you know, try and remember where you use the silver key and things like that. And um... so offline, if you if you if you're looking to play this, if you've been inspired by the podcast, <laughs> what's what's supposed to happen is if you play offline, uh, you go. There's two keys that you need to get to complete the scenarios, the gold and the silver key. I don't know whether you can only ever get the silver key yourself. But if that's the case, when you get to what's called the, is it the owner's room or the central office? I can't quite remember the room name. You'll know when you get there because it's a very specific location with monitors and a big table. Your AI partner is supposed to meet you around there with the other key. If you're not aware of that, as Nick wasn't, (laughs) then you can be running around for a gold key that doesn't exist because the AI partner will have already done the puzzles and everything that they need to do, which is the Atlas puzzle, 
um, with the portraits in each of the rooms, and they already have the key in their inventory. If something unfortunate befalls them and they die, then you're not going to come out, you're not even going to know they've got the gold key in their inventory. And this is where the, the fundamental issues with playing this game offline really do hit you, because you need the gold key to complete the scenario, the game doesn't indicate or tell you in any way that your AI partner has it unless you happen to check your inventory while they're in the same room as you and you go, oh, hang on a minute, David's over there and he's got the gold key. Right, give me the gold key and then I can carry on. Mm. If that, if you if you don't come across that, then you, you're never going to finish the, the scenario and, and that is a, a fundamental flaw of playing offline. Um, so I understand for you, Nick, was it Alyssa had your gold key? She had my gold key. She was just chilling out in that room, um, a, a room I hadn't opened up. So I was, I'd done the silver key and I was, I was going along quite happily. And then I started to explore the the room and I went into one of the rooms and where you can click the button and see a very unrealistic picture of what Manchester looks like in the United Kingdom. It doesn't. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks nothing like that. Uh, I don't think there's any castle in Manchester, but anyway. Um <laughs> And then, so I, I clicked that, and I was like, okay. Then I went to the Atlas room, and again, as Sean said, there's no real idea that that... You, obviously, you can work out it's a puzzle, because you can save it there as well. But you don't really know it's been done. No. E- either. And so I thought, oh, that's what I need to do. And I, I was looking again, I had to quick look on GameFAQs, and I was like, okay, I need to go find the other rooms. And I, it's just spending time and time clicking on the lights... Mm. On the other on the other maps, which are in the other room, wasting a lot of time, and of course there are liquors running around. Um, they're not as intelligent. Health and ammo at this point, yeah. You are, and it's frustrating. And again, it's offline. It's slow. Every room, and you're like, I don't really know. What I'm, you know, and it's only when I decided, oh, I need to clear some inventory space. So I just go and use up the silver key. I went into the owner's room, and there, and I thought Alyssa was dead. And um, I didn't know where she was. And she was just chilling out there with a gold key waiting for me. I was like, oh, hi. And, uh, you know, and then she's got, you've got the gold key. Then you can go open the gold key rooms. And then you can get the red jewel. And then you can exit mm. into, into uh, and, but yeah, if you don't know that, it's, um, yeah, it's and, hard. And if, comes if, to repetition. You know, there's no, there's no great big prompt that pops up to tell you what you should be doing. No, and it doesn't say on that puzzle, this puzzle's been done. Yeah, you just it just says all the lights are on. You go okay, fine, or whatever it says. But that that's not a clue that it's been finished. So all you all you all you people who complain that Dark Souls and From Software, you know, don't handhold. You've, you unless you've played an Outbreak game offline, you've no <laughs> idea what you're on about. Yeah, and if <laughs> if if, if, if Elisa had died, <laughs> she, uh, you know, even more so, you'd have to just check her body. And although she's got a gold key, you know, so I was pushing it for time. Um, you know, I was, thank I say Yoko's got a slow infection rate, so I, I was okay. But um, I want to touch on liquors because uh, Batman, you mentioned them. Now these liquors are really interesting because they look different, but they sound the same as normal liquors. They've obviously reused a lot of these sound effects from Resident Evil Two, but um, their appearance has certainly generated a lot of discussion over the years. Uh, perhaps more so than was ever intended for a number of reasons. One, they're considered widely considered to be almost like juvenile liquors. Secondly, I think in the game it's been extracted that there are adult liquors in the game, but they're never used within the game itself. 
I've got a funny feeling in the same way that I think Birkin G1 is in the game. Um, I think yeah, adult, yeah. yeah, adult liquor is also in the game somewhere. Yeah, so if you use a model viewer, you can see them. Yeah. So the question was always if, okay, if, if these are young juvenile liquors, that's fine. That's not a problem. But it raises the interesting law point about where we are in the game, you know, in, in the timeline. If we're the 24th, 24th of September 1998, we are very early on for a liquor to potentially appear because in order for a liquor to be created, if you like, it's a that kind of V act reaction, if you like, of a zombie, dehydrated zombie or whatever they are, uh, having that reaction. And it seemed a little early on, and that was always a, a lingering discussion point in the forums. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably just go with the headcanon theory that they're sort of quite early on in the mutation, because if you think about liquors are sort of a secondary infection of what happens to a zombie, so how can there be a juvenile liquor? Because they're not they're not born liquors, they're not bioweapons at this point, they're just a further mutation of an adult zombie. So I don't think you can say the baby liquors, so to speak. I, I honestly don't know. I don't really think it's ever been answered, because as you say, the, the sort of more mature version of the liquor, the more recognisable liquor, I should, should say, has been extracted from the game's files, but for one reason or another hasn't been implemented. So it's an interesting one. Whether it is just a quirky design choice and they went with this weird version instead, I don't know. Because obviously the liquors we see in desperate times, they they look the same as they do in this. So I think this might just be one of those things we're possibly looking into a bit too much. It might just be, for whatever reason, some kind of quirky stylistic choice. Yeah, because it's also worth pointing out that this is the liquor model they use in Umbrella Chronicles. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which is, you know, used in the Umbrella's end scenario, and they I don't think they would be baby liquors at that point if they're a, a liquor in their infancy as such. Mm. Another another quirky pointer was that when this game came out, this was this predated a lot of Japanese law knowledge. So really, at this point in the timeline, you have to bear in mind, we're, we're talking so 2004, a lot of Japanese material hadn't been translated yet for the West. So we weren't really aware in the West of T-virus variants. And a lot of us just assumed that a crimson head could occur from any version of the T-virus. And there was always this neat online theory that the Regis yeah. liquor was the natural evolutionary step before the crimson head. Uh, sorry, after the after the crimson head, before the liquor, and and the 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 giveaway was the fact that the Regis liquor has crimson skin. Yeah, um, it's all nonsense now because we know a variants uh, in the T virus lead to different um, like mutations and whatnot. But it was it was it was a cool at one point in the the RE fandom, ladies and gentlemen, we actually had a life cycle of a zombie, <laughs> which was you know like zombie. Crimson head, Regis liquor, lick, you know, infant liquor, adult liquor. It was like this, these five steps that were, it's all gone away now. But at one point, probably, you know, in your mid 2000s, that was, that was the theory. Yeah, and it was cool. There was a concept art in Remake 2, wasn't there, for a kind of Regis liquor zombie? They were going to show that sort of in between process yeah. of, of zombie and liquor, yeah. Some of the, the most disgusting of... concept art they've ever, they've ever drawn, I think. Because your brain kind of bursting out, split, yeah, and the brain emerge. It's it's really quite disgusting. We've kind of so yeah. I mean, the scenario itself, as as we've actually already covered it, um, in terms of what what you do, you just kind of run around finding these finding these keys. Um, I didn't. It was actually quite ghostly quiet. There's not that Mm. many zombies in the 
in the game. I, I don't I don't think I encountered any uh, creature until about twenty minutes in. Um, um, you, you play on easy though, don't you? Yeah, I, I know, I know. Yeah. Don't take my word for it, but um, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly not as um, the scenario is not quite as filled up on certainly on on the easy modes. And um, I don't know if this is true as well. So, some of the liquors you, you can avoid a lot of the liquors, um, whether their AI was dumbed down a little bit, but. If you stay still, they do tend to have, yeah, you know, they, they've they, they've crawled right past me on the wall, and I go oh, like that, which is quite cool. Use your remake two training. Just walk. They they barely they barely bother with you if you walk. Oh, okay, that's quite good. Um, Use your training. Um, but yeah, yeah well, well, no, because they will still attack you in the original, even if you walk. They they did. Yeah. But I, I had a great survival horror experience. Like I said, I spent the first fifteen twenty, you know, fifteen minutes or so running around on danger with no mm. ammo. And then when I got my shotgun, I had seven rounds, and it's just like, well, how do I use these seven rounds effectively? Seven shells, and it and it's brilliant. Like, is that not what we play Resident Evil for? You know, having to make those decisions of, oh god, fucking, I've got a zombie in front of me. Do I waste one of these rounds? You know, one of these th- th- these ammo. And again, I, I need I, an arsenal for the final boss. I like this one because uh, again, there's quite a lot of optional rooms to explore. Mm. There's um, lots of back rooms, and um, reminds me a bit like Dead Aim on the on the ship with lots of you know little. Did you um, cabinets? You probably did a lot more exploring than I did. Did you get the grenade launcher? I did. Yes. Ah, well done. Yes, because it is upstairs in one of the rooms. I did. I, yes. I didn't in in the. It's the one. Is the grenade launcher? If I'm remembering right, it's the room where you have to like knock the the breakable wall down. And crawl through. Yes, you can crawl through the um, yeah. into 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 the other bathroom, and there's a zombie waiting for you in there. But you can, I think you can get out. I think that's where I got it from. But I got it, 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 it with acid rounds already inside, at least on easy mode. Very nice. Did, did I had two shotguns? I, I just um, I don't know where two came from, but I had one, and then <laughs> David had one, so I stole it off him. Like <laughs> this the is the, the, the yeah. benefit of Yoko. Did you like the fact that the red gem is the red gem from RE1? I didn't know or... it was the exact same red gem. Well, no, it's not the, no, but it's the same design. That's what I mean. It's, oh, okay, yeah. All and these Easter eggs and whatnot inform each other. Well, the Easter eggs are great. I mean, as, as we've already mentioned with Dario, although a quirky translation, Dario Losso, as it, it would be in, yeah. in the UK. <laughs> but that is our Dario, um, and of course, it's later used in Umbrella Chronicles as Ada Wong staying there as yeah. well. Of course, well, yeah. yeah. Oh. She meets meets a contact there, yeah. She does indeed. Oh, so that's on that, yeah. Well done. Quite a nice little little reference, but again, it, it's all very self-contained. You can get, you can. You, I just, as I said, just wish you had more time just to explore everywhere, and cause I kept going back into the courtyard, and I thought you'd go in here, and, and then kind of going work, working your way out. But you eventually get the two keys and the red jewel, and then you put it. Even that little bit at the end, it's like, you know, you go, you put it in the bust, or you try to, and it, and it won't fit. And it's just a tiny, pointless puzzle. You just move the the shelf, and yeah. then it, it's totally unnecessary. But it's just so Resident Evil. Mm. I'm just going to move it, and now it fits. You go, of course it does. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> but then that reveals a hidden passageway, and, and then you're in the kind of main hall. And then I got, I got in. Actually, that's it. That's what happened to mine. I got there, and... I was feeling com- confident, and I got to the emergency ladder, and it said there's no power. I was mm-hmm. like, oh. So I had to go all the way back to turn the power back on. With your gold key. With my got. gold key. Yeah, yeah, with my gold yeah. key. Yeah. And so I was like, oh. And so again, that required a lot of map planning. And you get a little light puzzle there, don't you? A little button light puzzle. 
Yes, yes, that was very Resident Evil One esque, wasn't it? With like the V Jolt room. See, um, see, pe- see, people out there who lament the fact that Resident Evil, it you know, hasn't been a camera angle puzzle based game for many, many years, and have never played Outbreak. You've ten scenarios here that will will. It's like what GT said earlier. You know, you're looking forward to yeah this Resident Evil experience that you've possibly never had before. Well, this is it. You know, this this was the the the, the victory lap. Of the camera angle era in in a single game, it you know, and when you get to things like decision decisions, as we're going to discuss in a later podcast, that is basically an entire Resident Evil experience condensed into like a, an hour ninety minute scenario. It's they're wonderful. You see why I love this game so much. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just quickly add to, sh- to 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 what Sean has said? Anyone that's in my position that is tempted to you know to to go back and delve in whether from buying an old PlayStation Two or or you know, um, through via PC, it may speak to perhaps my tastes as a, as a survival horror gamer. But it doesn't. It didn't feel dated. We've we've spoken before, mm. but you know, in in looking back in terms of how I generally felt about the outbreak scenario and, and certain of the things that really piqued my interest, I was quite surprised in terms of the production levels and the game mechanics. It really didn't feel dated. The, the ideas and the environmental storytelling, the atmosphere, mm. the atmosphere in this one is great, um, yeah, and the, really, the smoke yeah. looks good. There's no music uh, the, really. It's just like the roar of the fire, isn't it? But then a bit like RE7 when the music does kick in, when you when you make progress, I, I think it's through the silver key and then you get in, you just open a door into a corridor, then the music just comes in on a beat and you're like, oh, just a little nod that you're progressing. Yeah. And that's when I think the liquors then come in at that, but I could be wrong, but... Um... It's just like you're basically halfway through the scenario and you go you use the silver key and then you it's, get into it's it. all right, isn't it? It's all right. It's, it is. It's just it's just frustration. Yes. Yeah. You know. It's held back by the age it was made in more than it was the the idea or the ambition. If you know it, I think if you know where to go, you'll have a blast. But yeah. that first time playing, you'll just get more and more frustrated because it just slow. Everything is slow, and you're like, no, not this room. And you just get annoyed at yourself if you pick the wrong door. And you go, oh, no, not this one. It's like, a mindset anyway. thing. You have to adjust your mind. We're nearly towards the end of Hellfire. We've now got the Regis Liquor, or Suspended, um, which is uh, another name for it. I think that was given to it by uh, localization. And this acts as the boss. So once you have restored power in this big open room, you can take the emergency um, ele- um, ladder down, very RE2-esque, into the, into the reception area. and. As you try to leave, you are greeted by a very short sequence with a liquor mutation, if you want to call it that, bursting itself out of the um, out of the air vents, and then a very very elongated tongue is its main weapon of choice, and it then kind of attracts other liquors into the area, and suddenly, so you find yourself battling against at least three, if not more, of the normal liquors plus suspended. And it can absolutely stun lock you to oblivion. This thing, its tug is deadly. But how did how did how did uh, how did you how? What's your tactic, should I say? Not me. Yeah. Well, I'll start with I, you. I, I exploit it, Nicholas. What's your <laughs> What's the exploit? So when uh, so you you basically d- deal an initial bit of damage to it. Mm. Then when it does its big roar, which leads into the as you say the stun lock tongue whip attack. You can just squeeze past it and go into the corridor behind it near the near the front door. Right. And that way you're in that corridor. The liquors funnel to you one at a time, so you can dispatch them very easily with a shotgun. You can run up to the regis and just do a hit and then run back to the, the, the door that the fireman will ultimately smash in a minute or two. 
and just keep repeating that so you don't you, you can you can do it without even getting hit oh first aid spray but that, that, as well. that comes through literally <laughs> dozens upon dozens of repeated attempts like it, it it's second nature now you know if i was doing that for the first time i can imagine it's fucking horrendous the stun lock <laughs> you the stun have no lock idea is... what to do i had my um side pack was first aid spray two green herbs together one red herb a green herb red herb combo so i was full and i was like this is fine stun lock puts you down yoko must be quite weak i think with with her hits but uh, you yeah, know the lowest health i think of all the characters mm. next to jim i think Stunlock put me straight back down to like you know orange you know deep orange caution and i was like shit <laughs> like that thankfully on easy mode it's um you know it they, the regis liquor doesn't take too many shotgun hits so i was able to line it up but um a good tactic you can also do if you're going to get worried about the liquors is you can run over to the lobby the reception area and hit the bell um and that you know causes a, a kind of bell alarm to go off and all the liquors will kind of like merge towards the bell uh, leaving you a bit of time to be able to line up your shots because again you can get a bit auto aim can be a bit funky yeah. at times yeah it only lasts a few seconds so you've got to be quick but got to be quick, it, yeah. does, uh, it does um confuse but, the liquors but quick again, turn is great, quick great turn, is building it? isn't it that is it is it is, and then yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know, Rob. Did you? I, you didn't get that far, did you? I had it unlocked. Yeah, I got there. I did the same trick that uh, that uh, Sean was talking about because I saw it online. I was looking online for any hints for it because I was struggling with it. Apparently, there's also a trick where you can sometimes shoot through the floor on the upper level. I found video of that online too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it seems like there's a glitch where. If you position yourself in a particular angle with certain weapons, you can shoot and you can hit the uh, regis like through the ceiling because the hitbox for it is behind the wall and the gun kind of glitches through the wall when you're aiming at it. It was quite funny. I didn't try it, but I saw it afterwards. How did you generally get on with the Hellfire scenario? I It's it's like what you guys have been saying. It's, it's a lot of very similar rooms and very confusing, and I didn't remember it like I remembered the uh, the outbreak scenario, so I had to read online to try and figure out what I was doing. Um, I played it on easier mode than I did for the for outbreak as well because of that because I didn't know how long it was going to take me, and so I didn't have a lot of enemies like you did too, Nick, mm. because I played it on easy just to get accustomed to it. And no problem with no problem with Regis Liquor. You're okay with not real. I mean, once I figured out what I I could get, I could kind of trick it by squeezing past and just attacking it from behind it got a lot easier see after after the regis liquor death so confident was i i went uh, in, in, rather than just leave i went back into the into oh no oh and then just <laughs> aha i thought well there's some liquors left over and uh out come the grenade launcher and uh they they do only take one hit with the grenade launcher, at least in easy mode, with the with the acid rounds, so um, that was fun. So yeah, it's quite no, cool. So you're going to tell me you got absolutely annihilated <laughs> no. because you weren't thinking about it properly. I don't know what I, was, I don't know what came over me. I thought, no, I'm going to, you know, I had some ammo left, and I thought, let's see how I got on because I knew it was the end. I knew because once you've killed it, all you have to do is exit, go out the back door, and then that triggers the rescue by the um, police department, and that's that's the end of the scenario. You made it! Get out! Hurry! That was close. It's not just the hotel. Now the whole city is burning. 
You were lucky. Thanks. You too. We've been patrolling the city, trying to help those in need. But it's worse than a war zone. The army's been called in. Better get out of the city while you can. I have a very bad feeling. You will always be with me. I hope you find peace. At this time, I was still optimistic about my chances. Thinking about how lucky I'd been. But maybe that was just my brain's way of keeping it together. How pathetic. That was a good hour 20 for me on this one. That was mainly, as I said that earlier, that was mainly because I started to kind of try and do the other half of the, the puzzle, which I didn't need to do. Um, it would have been would have been under an hour, I think, um, had I known what I was going to do. That's kind of it. It just kind of then filters off with a to be continued uh, as all the scenarios end. But um, I, yeah, on, on reflection, I'm I was pleasantly surprised by this one. I I I, I don't think I had the best memories of it. A bit like the the hospital, the hive one. I don't have good memories of that one either. I remember the the leech man causing all sorts of problems. So I'm eager to replay it to see if my opinion changes, like it actually has on this one. And I'll be quite happy to replay this one now. I'm familiar with the with the with the with the mansion, if you want to call it that, the hotel. Um, I know where I'm going. I can probably experiment a bit more, you know, f you know, try and explore some more areas. And as I said, some of the environmental storytelling is really cool. I really like like the lounge area, and you got to crawl on that. And then there's kind of crawling zombies as well that kind of chase you through that. And I I, I just felt that there's lots there's lots more to see on that one, even even if there wasn't. And again, it it, it pulls off the classic Resident Evil trick of feeling open world but it's not really you know it, it's a bit you know a bit like the mansion you know you feel you can go anywhere but you, you can't really because of the locked doors or you know or, or you know all the keys that you've got and things like that so i i i said i think it's a microchasm of a classic re experience and i think it pulls off very well so um yeah a good start from me for both scenarios. It's got me very excited about playing some future ones. Um, Batman, what about you? Where you know where do you see, where where do you see Hellfire and your concluding thoughts of it? Um, yeah, I don't mind it. It's probably the scenario I I play the least, to be honest, simply because it's quite repetitive. Uh, the environments look the same, and I, I get lost. It's probably you know we we play these games so many times. You you start to learn certain games off by heart. You know you know where everything is, even the most obscure items, enemies etc but hellfire i don't think i've ever learned my way around it i've always got lost on every single playthrough certainly don't <laughs> mind it there's nothing particularly wrong with it it's just that there's nothing about it that's particularly memorable for me i think both scenarios uh solid start to uh the outbreak campaign i think you touched on the environmental storytelling i enjoyed that as well and there's a little timeline clue in um hellfire i think it's room 204 the guest memo dated september 23rd it's about um, a guest who's complaining about the light puzzle in his room and he says he's going to pack his bags and leave early in the morning but if you look in that room his bags are there packed ready to go and i think if you examine them and he says something like oh someone's left the luggage behind so that tells me we're still on september 23rd in the evening oh, so, so there's little it's like sean was saying before you, you know you really have to look at anal little clues in the in the environmental storytelling to try and 
picture where things fit and when they take place because they're just there is no concrete information whatsoever really and and this will be this will be exacerbated later on when you've got like god like there's characters in underbelly that in form of like characters' fates in other scenarios or something, and it, it's just yeah. it gets so frustrating later on. It's quite interesting because these cues are so obscure. I mean, what you're mentioning there is uh, the police officer Gene, who I think you examine his desk in Desperate Times, but you find his diary or his body in Underbelly. You know, there's there's lots of little things like that which gives you an idea of what's going on, but unfortunately, we can't confirm it. Fun though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. We're all a bit older now, but back in the day, you know, this, this, this was the sort of thing we used to fr- thrive off to try and work out exactly what was going on. You know, for an example to our audience, like missing scenarios are the aforementioned a day in Raccoon. There's an entire scenario with um, Birkin in it. Birkin was shown in one of the trailers. Doesn't make it into either of the File One or File Two games. There was an entire scenario set at a pier. Or, or at yep. least a dock with um, a Neptune, and, in, yeah. you know, and that's been found in the code. How do you feel about that, Nick? You were cut from Outbreak. Oh no! Well, entirely. there are there are zombie sharks in it, but there wasn't actually a, a dedicated Neptune at, mm. at one point. Um, sad, there sad, is a sad, scenario sad. which features the two criminals you can meet in desperate times trying Small. to escape the marshalling yard. There's also characters, entire USS characters that have been cut from the game, which you can play if you use a modded save file. You can access all the what we call are the file three characters. They're not really file three because we don't know if file three was ever going to exist, but. They are the characters that aren't represented in either File 1 or File 2, and there's there's USS characters, there's a, a model of um, Hunk with a mask on, because the version of Hunk you unlock in the main, in the vanilla game, does have his mask off, it's it's all a bit strange, there's, um, what, there's a character in it, oh, there's, a, there's a USS character which has a smashed visor, uh, and in, if you play Remake 2, the <laughs> ghost character in the, is, it, is his name Ghost? Oh, yeah. God. It has a smashed visor in exactly the same way, and it's like, oh god, is it is it a reference to Outbreak? Because if that is the case, it's amazing. It's just so much cut content. It's so heartbreaking. We never got to see the the plan. There's the the purple tyrant, isn't there? Tyrant C. Um, that's going to be a showdown. Boss. That's just no, a... but that's he's from from what people think is from a lost. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that they've put in showdown. Yeah, there's a there is a tyrant C which has a a, set, a, a horn like a rhino horn in the middle of his forehead. He's used in the final version of File 2 in the like the battle mode, which is called Showdown. And there's there's three versions of Showdown, 1, 2, and 3, and it, it, in Showdown 3, he's like the final boss. Um, it's on our that's website. Ace, Nick, that's, that's, that's Ace. Yeah. He's, he's on the website if you go to the Torrent page on the encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, he's canon-ish. But, but oh, is he canon? Is Showdown 3 canon, Nick? I don't know. Tyrant C appears in Dark Side Chronicles. Where? Oh, in the in the Japanese book on a chart is where it appears. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But another thing I like about Outbreak is the NPCs get a bit of a personality as well, and they they turn up in other scenarios. You know, some of the police officers you see in the epilogue of Outbreak turn up in Desperate mm-hmm. Times. You know, things like that. It's pretty cool. One of the great things you can do when you've unlocked all the characters, or if you you know if you're playing like the um you know, the fan server build, which has all the file three characters unlocked is like, you can all choose RPD officers 
and play your own little role-played version of like four officers going like you, you know you can play a version of outbreak where you know the two other officers don't die and they go on and survive all the way through to the final day you know it offers so much enjoyment like that it's just so worth playing online if you ever get chance people honestly right well there we go they're the first two chapters covered uh, this podcast probably a tad longer than anticipated but it was um a good opportunity to actually do the overview of outbreak itself mm. something obviously we won't need to repeat in, in in future episodes we'll just go straight into the scenarios but um, hopefully that's given people a bit of a taster of what's to come in future podcasts, but also what you can expect if you do delve into the on, on the online portals and have a go at Outbreak um, online or, you know, perhaps dust out a copy of PlayStation 2 and give it a go and see how you get on and let us know. So with that, we bring the podcast discussion to an end, but we've got time for Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Do you know your G-Virus from your C-Virus? And your Jabberwock from your Bandersnatch? Or perhaps the number of bombs that appear on the Made in Heaven vest? Jesus what? Christ! <laughs> what fucking question is that? I'm getting a big fatty eye this week. Yeah, I'm not going to get any of these. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins, this Resident Evil quiz. We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Welcome one and all, five questions, and in fact, actually guys, um, you've preempted a lot of the questions and answers oh, no. from this quiz, so if you're paying attention to some of the uh, commentary, you should do okay, so there we go. So we've got some outbreak questions and... Uh, impact, two... it's impact, Nick. I'd also like to take this opportunity to apologise um, for <laughs> last pod- last podcast quiz. In the history of Omni Shambles, that was that was up there, um, and I wasn't even involved. Wow! <laughs> you still got one point, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, so much so, I think Rob, Romby, you're going to be taking over uh, a pod, podcast quiz one day. You are serious no. on this, aren't you, Nick? I'm, he keeps I'm, saying I'm, it's going to happen. It's not. It's not going to. Rob, you're going to you're going to bring normality no. to the proceedings. No, so. not a, that, but that's not what people. That's not what the people want to hear, Nick. <laughs> People, people want to hear the calamity and the drama. They want to hear us moaning at you about the stupidity of the questions. They want to hear you make mistakes because that's what endears yourself to them. Well, I can assure you they're not intentional. Right, so clear your desktops. Nick, I, I feel nothing but sympathy for you because there's a moment in the last quiz you can literally feel as a listener your heart sink into your stomach. <laughs> 
<laughs> when you realise you fucked up. <laughs> I feel awful sometimes. We oh. fuck, honestly, we're awful to you, but you we do <laughs> no. love you, ladies and gentlemen. We do, we do. <laughs> Here we go. Question number one. In the outbreak scenario, what does the Raccoon Times talk about? In the outbreak scenario, what does the Raccoon Times talk about? So question two is a welcome return of the true or false round. The Regis liquor is the official halfway mutation between a crimson head and a liquor. Is that true or is that false? Question number three. What enemy replaces some zombies in outbreak on hard and very hard modes? You can sense confidence. That's it for your outbreak questions. Question number four. What is the name of the lightsaber in Resident Evil Village? It's George, if you're unaware, there is a lightsaber weapon in Resident Evil Village. I've not I'm still it. reeling from the revelation you were brought up in a pub. I can't believe that. <laughs> I lived in a pub, yeah, I did. I did. Was it so, a wine yeah. bar? I'm still, it wasn't a pub, was it? You're too middle class. It was a wine bar, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, question number five. This comes in from one of our uh, patrons. This is Aaron Z, so you can blame him. So, please complete the herbicide puzzle in scenario B of Remake 2. I want colours. You know which one I'm talking about? The herbicide in the, in the lab. Do you know the colour order? So there are the five questions. Join us after this and we'll run through those answers. So I was reading out today that uh, Raccoon City had a pretty healthy tourism industry. But it wasn't until the 90s that it really blew up. Where do zombie dogs go to find their Balkan cousins? I don't know. Where? Serbs are us. Man, I was up all night playing Resident Evil. I could barely keep my eyes open. I was so tired by the time I got to the giant snake. Go on. Uh, yeah, that too. So remember that shape-shifting B.O.W. from Gaiden? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it'd be pretty cool to bring him back. At this point, he's probably dead and buried. Welcome back. I I think people are doing okay. As I said, we've had we had some of the answers during our discussion, so we should be okay. So question number one was in the outbreak scenario. What does the Raccoon Times newspaper talk about? George, we'll start with you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to remember because I this Did is a problem. Pick it up? Well, no, because I didn't pick it up because you were talking. This is why I'm going to be Yoko from now on. Is is the really limited inventory slots for people like me and you like to investigate and pick all the health item and stuff so i didn't have any room in my bloody inventory to pick oh no you can read this one it's a file yeah oh no but you don't know oh can i just quickly guess because you can have um, a guess yeah yeah, i mean it's going to be the outbreak and i I, reporting on the um yeah a disturbance at at the uh at the stadium at the Mm. sports stadium it's a good educational guess rombie what's your answer uh I vaguely remember. I think it has to do with the murders, like the mountain murders and missing people thing again still, because it's that early. Um, okay. Star Stone? Um, I, I don't honestly know, so I wondered if this was the uh, the the blonde women disappearing report that I talked about earlier. That's the only thing I've got. Could be. I might have to check. Batman? Yeah, you're being a bit sneaky here because there's two newspapers in this scenario. There is. One of them talks about the sort of special task force the RPD's putting together to deal with the murders, and the other one is about the blonde women going missing. And I can't remember which one's which. 
based on what Is you've one of said. The raccoon comet one. No, one's I think one's raccoon today and one's raccoon times, but I can't remember which one's which. But based on what you've said about half the answers being from what we've talked about, I'm going to go with the blonde women. Okay, the answer I was looking for was the eerie voice from the underground. You fucking <laughs> honestly. That's the Dude, raccoon to one, Nick. I'm not interested Why? in it anymore. That's the headline, an eerie voice from underground. Yeah, that's, so, so we've got that one right then, haven't we? Yes, this is the, yeah, that, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I needed yeah. to quickly check because I was, I was I only focused oh, on the yeah. main bit. So it is about the eight people going missing, um, blonde hair. So correct is the answer. We yes, did it right, eerie. John. Do it. You did. You did. Oh, we did. We did. We got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> purpose. Very good. So points there. But yes, that, uh, that's what I was kind of going for the eerie voice. I thought it was quite an interesting headline. But yes, it's about the blonde women. So congratulations. More detail than I could have ever wanted. Brilliant. Right. So points to Batman and Stars Tyrant. So true or false for question number two, the Regis liquor is the half, the official halfway mutation between a crimson head and a liquor. George Trevor, is that true or false? I'm going to say that is false. Okay. Rombie? False. Batman? False. Stars Tyrant? False. Correct. It is false. Yes. We mentioned it annoyingly from my point of view, but there we go. <laughs> we leave no, we try and leave no stone unturned. Absolutely, there we go. But yes, it's it's uh, whilst a nice idea, it's not ever been officially confirmed as being a the halfway house between the two mutations. You must equally uh, hate me for the answer for the next one, then. Correct, I do. Thank you. Yeah. So, what what enemy replaces the zombies in Outbreak and the hard and very hard mode? Stars Tyrant, What's your answer? It's the Crimson Head. <laughs> it's the scissor worm. Scissor worm. Batman? Yeah, the scissor tail. Is it scissor tail? Have I got it wrong? <laughs> Rombie? I'm not going to take the point for this because I didn't know this. And if Sean had not mentioned it, I wouldn't have known anything about this at all because I didn't play it on the hard mode. So, oh, so I wouldn't have known this. So yeah. if I said it, it would just be because Sean had already said it. <laughs> And also, um, and that's, earlier um, in the episode, and we and we don't we do, yes, and we we don't we don't like to we don't like to do that on the podcast. We're, this is a this is a respectable quiz. Uh, <laughs> GT, what's your answer? <laughs> yeah, I can only give the same answer as Rombie. I had no idea. I had yeah, no idea. Yeah. Yes, it's correct. Uh, scissor worm, scissor tail. I'll I'll let you both have. What is the official name? Is it scissor tail? It is scissor tail, technically. Oh, but, damn, um, if it's any consolation, uh, evil resource has scissor worm, but I think scissor tail no. is the. Give um, him the point. Give him. I the am. Point. I am. I am. I'm. Bit, look, I'm. Yeah. I'm, oh, hang on. Hang on. How, how many has he got right so far? Well, you're both tied on three. Oh though. no! Don't give him the point. Fuck no, off. no. <laughs> <laughs> no four. That. No, three. Three. Yeah, three. No, you haven't that. You haven't it. There we go. Question <laughs> number four. This is where you might all come up. So, question number four. What is the name of the lightsaber in Resident Evil Village? Bromby, did you know this one? I couldn't remember it. I, I was, I was, it was struggling. Like I was like, I can picture it. I yep. name's not coming to me. The name's not coming something to you. stupid. <laughs> it, yes, it is. If that's a clue, <laughs> um, Batman, did you know? Uh, I did not know. I honestly couldn't even guess. George, did you know what the lightsaber's called? No, I've had all this time to think of some kind of pun to do with Resident <laughs> Evil and Star Wars, and I can't even come up with one that's broadcastable no i don't know Star Tyrant, did you know you pl- you probably play some of you know the uh, yeah it's, it's called the xr coon oh kudos kudos for the deep cut into i Sith don't know Lore. what it's called so i just thought <laughs> I'd go for a, a deep star wars reference very deep very <laughs> good 
It's uh, uh, Legends Law, though, Nick. I do apologise. No. Uh, it's the LZ Answerer. The LZ answer. answer, yeah. LZ answer. answer, there you go. And finally, question number five. It's all come down to this. So, this is from Aaron. So, complete the herbicide puzzle in scenario B of Remake 2. Batman, did you know this? No, I didn't. I can barely remember the puzzle, to be honest. So, I'm going to have to say no, I don't. Rombie, did you know? I remember the puzzle. I remember every time I played through it, I had to write down the answer. When I was doing my platinum run, I... Remind, remembering it off the top of my head, non-existent. No, George Trevor. Um, no idea. I think Batman can barely remember the puzzle. I can barely remember the game. Um, <laughs> Star Siren. The funny thing is, it you're talking about the herbicide. I can't even remember it being in terms of colours. I just thought you had to rotate modules and and fill up vials. Um, I don't remember colours with regard to the herbicide, so I have no idea. It's blue, red, green, green, green. The answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for I think, it. I, it's the color of the I, it's the color of the, the buttons. buttons that you have to yeah. push. That bit I remember, but frickin' I know the order. Like I always had to write it down, so I forget yeah. that because you could mess it up really easily. Scenario B was much scratch. harder as well, mm. uh, but a lot harder than the third one. So there we go. They're the five questions. Let's see how well everyone has done, and we have joint winners today, ladies and gentlemen. Batman and Stars Tyrant with three out of five. So congratulations to you two. Yay. Yes. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, in joint second is Rob and George Trevor with a point apiece. So that does finish the podcast quiz. So join us next time when we'll have some questions. Coming towards the end of our first look at Resident Evil Outbreak, 20 years old. We hope everyone has enjoyed our look at Outbreak and Hellfire in particular. The next scenarios that will um, inevitably take a peek. Well, I said did say we would probably do some of the remaining Outbreak File 1, because obviously File 2 has not quite reached 20 years yet. But... Interestingly, we've chosen Outbreak and Hellfire because chronologically the first. So I suspect we will do the Hive and Below Freezing Point next. Well, I don't know if you. But if you do chronologically, on. yes. Do we do we jump ship and go over to? Because um... remember, no, it's... No, I probably... will they unlock? No, no, I probably keep it to the game actually. Because we're not twenty years yet for um, File Two. Because I think oh, chronologically yeah, let, next, let, let, yeah, keep yeah. it to the game then. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. Because Hive leads into Below Freezing Point really well. It's like yes, it a direct continuity. But, uh, on that note, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. It's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Star Tyrant. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. And goodbye from me, Rumby.